here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing it like that. Mikazi now he's not okay, so, so Mik- he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a boy. He's a man. He's a man. Are you ready? He got PWS superstar. I am fucked. And he was gone in two minutes. So in go Bernalis. In Bernalis. In go Bernalis. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Are you having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Mary, 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 Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Krejci alongside, as always, the king of banter himself, Mr. Joe Lands. And Joe, uh, great job last week on the uh, solo show. I listened, uh, did not think I was going to listen, because uh, I, you know, it's a, no offense to you, but I just really don't want to hear your voice. On like a week when I don't have to do this podcast, it's kind of a good thing to not hear your voice for three hours. But uh, I only had to hear it for an hour and 45 minutes, so no, but you did a really good job last week. I really enjoyed that show. You're only saying that because I put you over strong. Uh, it was a strong, yeah, it was a strong put over. Yeah, but you're going to get, I'm sure you're going to get your win back uh, at some point today. So it's okay. But yeah, I do. I, I did appreciate that. <laughs> what, are, you, are you implying that at some point I'm going to bury you on this show? Yeah, probably. I'm sure. I don't know about what. I, I Looking at, you know, our kind of a run sheet here, I'm not sure. You'll find something for sure. I, I don't know. Um, you'll get something here, but, uh, yeah, no, 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 I, that was, but no, I thought the, the Cody Rhodes stuff w- was really good. I just thought, yeah, it just all around. I think it was a really good show. You tackled a lot of kind of heavy stuff that, that Cody stuff I thought was, was particularly good though. Cause it's a tough, it's a weird thing and it, it got a lot of 
publicity and it got some people intrigued. Some people said, oh, you're an idiot or, you know, oh, what the hell are you talking about? But I thought it was something that, you know, you, I know you had you, done your due diligence with as well of trying to do a little bit of research and, 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 and stuff. So it's in that sense, it's, it's pretty cool to see that sort of come to fruition. And so many people listen to it as well. But, uh, yeah, well, it remains to be seen uh, who's who's telling the truth on that one, Joe. Well, Cody says otherwise. Here's the thing. Because on the internet, they're talking about it because he won't say our names, even though he knows goddamn well who he's talking to. You <laughs> Stardust. Here's, here's the thing. I don't care if people think I'm an idiot. I don't care if people they, think... They do. They did regardless of whatever this Cody Rhodes thing. That's right. I don't, I don't, right. And I don't care if people think I'm entirely off base because the fact of the matter is, Rich, I could be entirely off base. Um, you know, I didn't report any of that as fact. Right. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, I, when I'm piecing things together on it, and I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but hey, we might as well. Um, but we have nothing to plug this week, so we got to kill the time somehow. We've- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Nobody wanted to pony up the dough. I mean, you could go to voicewrestling.com slash Amazon. That always helps us out. Uh, of course, if any Amazon purchase you make, you do it on that, voicewrestling.com slash Amazon. Helps us out. So, I mean, hey, there's, there's your plug. Or voicewrestling.com slash forums. We're getting the, uh, the honor roll going on right now. You talked a little bit about that last week. The, uh, the project where we'll try to name the top 50 wrestlers in Ring of Honor history. Voiceofwrestling.com slash forums. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I don't care if people think I'm an idiot. And I don't th- I care if people think that I'm wrong. Um, it it kind of bothers me a little when you see things like, Joe Lanza's reporting that it's an absolute work. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say that. But at the same time, that comes with the territory. That's what people are going to do. And as, at the end of the day, as long as they get the URL right, I really don't care what they say about me. You know what I mean? But it, it, it may end up not being the case. I, you know, I'm, I'm leaning about 60, 40 that he, that there are still, he is still tied to some strings with the company. I, I am leaning in that direction. Him asking permission to write a book about his father, uh, earlier this week has just increased my suspicions because why you don't need permission to write a book about your father. You just don't. Um, the only thing he would possibly need from the company or maybe if he wanted some pictures or mm-hmm. if he wanted them to publish the book, which would be a good idea because more people will buy it if they publish it. But that's different than asking for permission to write a book. And he flat out said that he, he phrased it as, yeah, he phrased it as I needed permission to write this right. book and didn't say I needed permission to use some of the pictures, which is also a weird thing, too, because I kind of feel like if anybody has a lot of pictures of Dusty Rhodes. Uh, it's probably Cody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he probably has quite a few that he could probably use without WWE's, you know, blessing. Yeah. Like, I'm sure the man, you know, his his father, I'm sure he has a, a few pictures of that he could probably use. So I find that kind of funny. But he flat out said that he needed permission to write the book about my dad. I mean, I so, mean Rich, you, could, you yeah. could write a book about Dusty Rhodes and no one could stop you. I, you know, it's like these people think there, there seems to be this idea with some of the responses that we got when we were tweeting about that, that. Like WWE just owns everyone and owns every. <laughs> I, I could write a book about anybody on their roster if I wanted to. Like an active member of their. I get, they can't stop you from writing a book. That's great. We could write a book about New Japan Pro Wrestling if we wanted to, really. I, I mean, mean yeah, there you go. Which, of course, we will not, but, you know, if we did, we could. So. so, I mean, there you go. It's a perfect example. I mean, they can't stop you from writing a book. And they can't stop you from writing a book about your father. So, that, that again, that seems a little odd to me. Look, I'm not trying to play wacky conspiracy theorist here, okay? You know where some of my information came from. And and I just I'm putting these things together. Look, and it's like I said last week. It's like I said last week. When he if he works for TNA, Ring of Honor, or New Japan, I will tap out and concede defeat. It's no big deal. You know what I mean? Because to me, 
that's something they'll if he's truly still attached to the company, if they're really footing the bill for him working Evolve, which people I trust have told me that they are, that's something they're not gonna let him do just for the sake of some to put over some silly work. You know what I mean? That they're not gonna sure. they're not gonna let the guy walk on into TNA, for example. Or walk Ring of Honor seems like the most egregious one that he we haven't heard anything about. He hasn't been linked to at all. And that's not to say that Ring of Honor, you know, has the money. But but that's the thing that they would always do. I mean, that's something they did with uh, Del Rio. I mean, Del Rio was out of there and Alberto El Patron was into Ring of Honor, you know, a, a few days or weeks after that and, and was announced and ready to go. That seems like a weird thing that ROH. I mean, he's street, he, he seems right up Ring of Honor's alley as well as just a guy that that's a name that came from WWE that kind of already knows the style that Ring of Honor kind of does now the fact that he hasn't been linked to them at all in zero percent any sort of connection between Ring of Honor and Cody Rhodes that it smells a little weird it really does yeah we'll see I don't know but uh but on to this week my friend yes yes and of course uh, the reason I was out last week I was moving into my new home which Joe you have uh, you need new material on me because I have a DVR now unbelievable I know. You no, know, it only. I got it for free. Only because. So the story was, I went to go pick up my cable stuff because they were going to send it to my house, and I, I, I just wanted to get it then because I wanted to install it the next day or whatever. So I show up at like six o'clock. The place closes at like six thirty because you know they're only open from nine to five, which is very or nine to six, which is very convenient for the working man. You know, I can't. So I go in there and I walk in. I go, hey, I need this, this, and this. They go, oh, we don't have any receivers left. And I went, oh my god, are you kidding? And they said, <laughs> like, I didn't say it, but I kind of had this look of like, ah, oh, geez, really? And then the lady just said, ah, you know what? I'll give you the DVRs for free. And that's how I have DVR now. So, so <laughs> it's no conscious effort on my behalf. So you, so you, you, I backdoored my way into a DVR. Yes. What? A, it, can I ask you a question? Really, what yeah. is your resistance to modern technology? <laughs> it's expensive. The D, my, okay, you're telling me my resistance to modern technology. Well, when it comes to this, yes, I, absolutely. To, to, to only DVR. Hold on, now, using, hold on a second. Modern now, technology is a little bit different than a DVR. Now, I, I don't like what you're implying because I listen. I've got a $9,000 phone that I complained about for about a half hour on this show. Okay. I'm, believe me, I'm up on modern technology, whether I like it or not. Okay. So, you know, you can't throw that one at me. I may not, you know, uh, particularly be thrilled about a lot of the modern technology uh, that I'm associated with, but I, I'm up on it. Okay. It took you 15 years to get a DVR. I mean, I listen, and you've been mocked thoroughly, not just by me, but by many for this. And, I, yeah. and, and fi- now look. You got yourself a deal, which is the Rich Krejci way. Okay, yep. so uh, I'm, I'm sure that contributed to this. But have you been using the DVR and seeing how great this technology is, and seeing how now that you have one, you can never go backwards? Yeah, it seems tough. Yeah, I've been already like I did the thing where I'm sure everybody does this when they first get their DVR. Like I'm recording everything in the world. Like I have like six shows recording tonight, and like I'm never gonna watch any of this shit. Like ever am I gonna watch any of this? Uh, my first DVR. Um, the recording was the final deletion, which we'll talk about here a little bit. TNA's final deletion, which uh, unfortunately is is kind of a black eye on on my future DVRing because it's like that's the first one, you know. It's like losing your virginity to the, you know. Hold that. hold on a se- <laughs> hold on a second now, Rich. I thought yeah. I was the only person on Earth who didn't enjoy the final deletion. Well, we'll get to that when we get to it. I think. Okay. Or do you want to do it now? I mean, I guess I suppose we can do it in a little bit. But we'll get to it. Okay, we'll do it. I didn't hate it maybe as much as you, but I, I failed to see kind of the... I didn't, like, like, I didn't despise the thing. I just don't see what's so great about it. But we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah, no, like I'm recording way too much stuff. I'm never going to watch any of it. But yeah, it's super... Con- I, 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 love, I don't know why we're having this conversation. Because so. the, because let me tell, Rich, you, tell me about a DVR. Describe not, a DVR. I'll tell you why we're having this conversation. Because you not owning a DVR is absurd. 
And it's been a running theme on this show for the last five years. So because well, people always, I'm always like, ah, well, I don't want to watch Raw. There's nothing good at Raw. Everyone's like, oh, just DVR. And I'm like, oh, I don't have DVR. <laughs> like, that's, I always get that of like, oh, well, just like fast forward to all the bad parts of Raw. And it's like, no, I, I kind of, I got to watch them all. Wait a minute. So. What is this? Fr- you said you got this for free, but now I'm thinking, what kind of free sketchy ass DVR did you get? Like, what is it? It's, it's- no, it's, it's built into the Comcast box. There's uh, so I, I have Comcast and there's one box that is, you know, this, their whatever their new X1 or whatever. So I got that i got all the brand new stuff there's one that doesn't have dvr and then there's one that does have dvr oh i see what you're saying so they threw in the one with the dvr for yeah there's like two of these they were out of i ordered the one without the dvr because i'm like i don't need dvr what is right you finally had an opportunity here no because it was like an extra you always we had this argument before and i gave you the prices and you went wow that's pretty expensive it's like an extra like 40 bucks a month i don't feel like doing that that is listen if it's an extra 40 dollars a month yeah, it was a lot of month. I don't know if it's exactly forty. Someone's gonna correct me and go, no, it's thirty four ninety nine or whatever. It was more than I, I looked at it and I went, ah, no, I don't really wanna like I don't know I'm if I would do it. You're right. I, I don't think I would pay that much. Especially when I have Netflix and I have Hulu and I have all these. I, I have all those things. So I don't really necessarily. I, there was a lot of times. But now that I have it, I see it. But yeah, I wouldn't have paid that much for it or whatever. Maybe even if it was an extra, I think it was like 15 maybe at one point. I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. whatever. But uh, and this is free. So hey, I can't complain and I'll definitely do it. So. Um, my first DVR recording was NFL Live. <laughs> but in my defense, in my defense. Why would you ever want to watch that Okay, again? it was like 2004. Okay, Now, it wasn't so I can watch this random episode. And I think it was in the middle of the summer, too. But I, <laughs> the, the plan wasn't to watch this random episode. Are you going to go back? Like, were you going to go back like that day? Or were you going to like. I was going to go back that day. Like, oh, like, let's see what Trey Wingo's got to say about this week's I, NFL action. I don't think his yeah. hair was gray yet at that point. But but it, it wasn't that I it was it's for like later that night when I got home I'm like oh you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna record it I'm on my way to work I'm gonna record NFL Live it wasn't I'm gonna record this July edition of NFL Live and then watch it in 2009 that because that, that would be completely mental that would what be is he, Sean Salisbury's hot takes on like week eight of you know like oh you said it was the summer so it's like week two it's not even like it's not even week anything it's like it's like training camp news. So oh, God. This is, is an awful first recording. I mean, you know, it's it's like, but but you know, and that was, and, and it probably would have been Sean Salisbury because it would have been before he got fired for sending his dick pics to everybody in the company. Isn't that how he got canned from ESPN? From yes, yeah. I, I don't know if it was everybody, but it was many of the female coworkers that he enjoyed. So like, uh, yeah. Look at my schlong, and then that was the end of him. You know, he's sending dick pics to everybody. Actually, in his defense, wasn't it someone he was like banging already or dating, and then but you still, you know, that's still obviously yeah. What was fun. that thing? There was a weird. Uh, yeah, I forgot who it was, and then he sort of threw her under the bus and kind of. I, I forgot there was a lot more going on yeah. there. Then I don't know if he was just sending out unsolicited dick pics on his flip phone. Because it would have been a flip phone at that point, right? So we're talking about grainy, non – they would have been low-res dick pics. You would have gotten mad at him like you get mad at me when I attach low-res pics to articles on the site. Like he was, mm-hmm. right. he was sending low-res dick pics to, to whoever he was either trying to bang or banging in the ESPN facility. So uh, yeah, this is going back a ways. But yeah, that was my first recording, and it was an awful recording. I just switched DVRs this week. I had the guy come out because I uh, – I pulled a little Beyonce, Rich. I upgraded. I upgraded to some new. Uh, uh, I, you like that? I up- I do. <laughs> you had- see, you're up. You're up on the modern stuff, I, right? I always am. Listen, I like to play a role for the show, but you know I'm up on everything, right? So uh, the the modern that song was like 2009. I know. So I upgraded to the uh, you know the whole home. 2006. VR. Oh my God, really? 2006. Wow, holy shit! Yeah, I thought that's that, a yeah, decade dude. old. 
Christ. All right. Well, hey. Hi. Two weeks in a row. Well, actually, no, it was two weeks earlier, but two weeks in a row of us doing a show together where we talked about Beyonce. How about that? Who would have figured that? Mm. I don't think I talked about Beyonce last week. But anyway, I upgraded. Let me get to my story here because we got a lot of wrestling to talk about. I upgraded my DVRs this week, and I had the guy come out because I got the new uh, whole home DVR gimmick to go along with my super-powered internet. Okay, figure out to take advantage of that. And uh, I actually had my old DVR removed, and it doesn't transfer the old, old recording. So I lost TNA Hardcore Justice. Oh. I lost, yeah, in standard definition on top of that. Oh, because if, no. if you're going to watch TNA Hardcore Justice. Yeah, you're not going to spend $44.95. Yeah, you're going to spend thirty four ninety five. And look, if I'm watching Cojones instead of Balls Mahoney, I want to see him in standard def. I don't want to see him in HD because it gives you that 1994 feel. You know what I mean? So I, I lost that recording. I did watch it before I sadly handed over to the old DVR, <laughs> though. But I watched my TNA Hardcore Justice. Uh, TNA. Fi, um, uh, what year was that one? Was that 2012? It had to be like 2011 or two, okay, maybe 2012. Because I also had Destination X 2011 and Destination X 2012 on that DVR. <laughs> now, those were good shows, though. You, the Hardcore <laughs> Justice stinks. Okay. I can't defend that one. But those two uh, Destination X shows were good. The 2012 one, the 2011 one, this was a long arc. The 2011 Destination X is where Austin Aries won his TNA contract. And then between two, and then at two, Destination X 2012 is where he won the title from Bobby Roode. So you got a nice one-year-long story arc with Austin Aries there. And they had a very good year in 2012 TNA. There's a lot of good stuff on those shows. There's a couple AJ Styles, uh, uh, Christopher Daniels matches on each of those shows. So there's a lot of good stuff. But then Aces and Eights came into the picture right after Aries won the title, and everything went right into the shitter. So anyway, I watched a lot of 2011 TNA this week as I was tearfully handing over my DVR. Also on that DVR were several UFC shows that I never even watched. So... You know, talk about flush your money down the toilet. Uh, you know. <laughs> 2010 Hardcore Justice, I believe, is the one that you had on your DVR. That shows you how old. 2010. Well, you... Yeah, because I'm going through the other Hardcore Justice. This is what a hell of a show. God. Yeah, it is awful. It's a terrible show. God, I'm looking at this now. I mean, Cojones. was it honestly the main event was RVD and Sabu? Well, it's supposed to be. I believe it was supposed to be RVD and, and, and Jerry Lynn. Yeah, and then Lynn had uh, that's when he uh, was having his injuries, correct? He right? was injured, yes. And that got shot, so they replaced by Sabu. But uh, you, you, I could I could hardly contain my excitement when Brother Runt okay. when Cojone, I know Brother Runt and Al Snow in a three way dance. Oh, wow. so yeah. bad. How about how about when God. how about when Cojones and Axel Rotten came out and they uh, they they were annoyed. See, they weren't supposed to be there, Rich, and they didn't have a match scheduled, but they crashed the show and they challenged anyone in the back. And and how excited do you think I was when uh, Brother Ray and Brother Devon came out in their tie dye and took on uh, Cojones and Axel Rotten in a oh, terrible man. match? I mean, they didn't even try. They were so unenthusiastic at Dudley's that all they they were basically just doing their TNA gimmick with tie dye on. They didn't like Bubba didn't stutter. He didn't put the glass. He just went out there with tie dye and, and wrestled the match. It was awful. That's also the show where Taz came out and. To start the show, and he was supposed to give a big rah rah ECW promo, but you couldn't say ECW. They couldn't say ECW or Extreme or anything like that on the show at risk of being sued. And he yeah. gave the least enthusiastic promo. He couldn't have made it more clear that he not only did not want to be there, but that the entire show was going to be an embarrassment. So you know, it, it was. You know, I had to watch it one more time. It was. It was. You know, big time train wreck. God, this is a terrible card. Tony Luke. 
Yeah, they had to change everybody's names. You know, they, couldn't, they couldn't even say Tony Mama Luke. So. <laughs> Tony Luke. You know? <laughs> that's just like not that's a completely different guy. Like, just come up with a different Italian name for the guy then. You know, Tony Luke. Oh, I don't God. even I, I don't get why they can't I guess Tony Mama Luke was a Heyman creation. So WWE owns that, I guess. Or Heyman I mean Heyman probably didn't clear it at all, but who knows who the hell knows it? They're probably just trying to get away from any amount of litigation, so they just they, they towed uh, like you know what I mean, like not even attempting to try to get even close to, to some because they don't for them, of course. And that was the year I remember that two thousand ten to like two thousand twelve era is just when every like there was so many of these ECW reunions and hardcore this and hardcore homecoming, and it was just like, Oh my god. Like at this point it was so that that horse had been so beaten. This the ECW thing and it's like, Absolutely. This was the one. Stop. This was like, the one that finally killed it dead, though. Yeah, because this one was so bad and so awful, and it was even like TNA's second or third attempt, wasn't it? Didn't they do a couple of these, or they did it on <sighs> TV for did. a while? Yeah, it was just the worst of the worst, and I think that's when people said, "No, we can't do this anymore." Um, and, yeah, like, we just and a lot of these guys, a, a lot of them have died since then. Anyway, I don't know if you could even put together a show at this point. Balls Mahoney's dead. Axel Rotten's dead. I'm sure some others have died since then. And a, a lot of them are old and can't move anymore. So I don't think we're ever going to see any more of these things. I, as I say that, that, I sound like an idiot. I'm sure we will. <laughs> I'm sure Someone's going to try it, but it's not a good idea. Okay, plenty to get to this week. So, uh, of course, we're going to talk about uh, Kazuna Road New Japan's Kazuna Road show uh, over this weekend. TNA, we wanted to talk about the final deletion. Uh, they're on a new night, yet another new night for TNA. So we'll break that, that down a little bit. Talk about the Super J Cup. Um, and then Dragon Gate, King of Gate. Yes, we are going to talk Dragon Gate. I don't want to. Do you want to do Dragon Gate off the bat? We we had no pre production meeting. I said, Joe, are you ready? And you said yes. And then we started recording. W- what do you want to start out with? I am an open book. I will go any any direction. Uh, I think the big story of the week is actually Final Deletion. So we should probably do that first. I, and I have deleted it off my DVR in case you're curious. <laughs> like, I'm very worried about space on everything. Like, I, I get rid of stuff on my computer if I'm not going to use it. So that, uh, unfortunately, got the boot already on the DVR. But um, I'm the same way. And um, it used to drive my ex crazy because I would come home from work and go through the DVR. And, and anything that, that was no longer bolded in white, if it was now gray, indicating that it had been watched, I would say, did you watch this? Can I delete it? I got to get rid of it. We got to save the space. And she would go fucking insane because I, I have to have everything deleted that is no longer wanted. Much like Matt needs to delete Jeff Hardy. <laughs> exactly. I'm like no you. If I'm done with it, it's got to go. Okay. But I kept it. See, but that was the hypocritical part of it because I kept <laughs> when you're talking about hardcore Justin 2010. Yeah. That had to stay, though. But that, that's, that's timeless. Uh, I don't know if Final Deletion will be timeless. Uh, well, but my counter-argument was always, hey, look, I spent $40 on this. So Yeah, get your money's worth on that, for sure. Yeah. Your episode of Real Housewives of wherever the fuck, okay, that's, you know, if you, if you treasure it that much, you know, they're going to replay it 19 times, okay? So we can get rid of that. I need the space. Your 30-minute standard definition show that's taking up less than 1% of the DVR space has to go. But my four-hour HD wrestling show that's taking up 8%, that stays. And shockingly, Rich, I'm single. Can you believe it? Yeah, I, I just – I can. And it was TNA too that, that you – that's the hill you chose to die on most times. Is these, these UFC shows I spent $60 on and never watched, they cannot be deleted. But you know your half-hour shows, they got to go. It was uh, uh, Bad Girls Club. That was the big one. Oh my god, Bad she Club. loved the Bad Girls. I have never seen an episode of the Bad Girls Club, so I don't even know. Is that the one where they do like pranks, or is that a different thing? No, it was just a bunch. What they did was they found it was like a real-world sort of show where they'd put all pe- these people in the house, but it would be like eight 
poorly behaved women who were guaranteed to be catty and throw wine at each other. So it was just the the trashiest of the trash TV that you'll ever find. It, it, it was there's nothing trashier than Bad Girls Club. I don't think I'll ever see it. So sorry. Okay, uh, let's go on here. Uh, TNA Final Deletion. Um, at the top of the show, we kind of previewed it a bit. You were on Twitter and and got. Oh, I, I wouldn't say everybody was mad at you, but there there were quite a few that were mad at you. Some people agreed with you, but you uh, you did not find the Final Deletion very uh, very compelling television. Talk about trash television. I mean, I, I, I look. I didn't hate the Final Deletion. It's not like I despise the Final Deletion, but I sat there and watched the Final Deletion and. It just it did nothing for me. Um, I didn't find it entertaining. Um, I, I, look, I, we're going to be the wet blankets here because everyone else seems to love this thing. I get the sense that some of it is tongue-in-cheek and ironic, but there's some people who genuinely love this thing. And I could see what they liked about it. It was goofy. It was, it, you know what it was, Rich? It was Sharknado. Okay, it was like – but I don't like Sharknado. You know what I mean? I watched 10 minutes of Sharknado and said – this is way too out there for me. I just, it's not my thing. And I fucking turned it off and you couldn't pay me to watch Sharknado too. Same thing with this final deletion. It was just so goofy and silly. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, the final cut is out now, rich. You couldn't get me to watch this thing again with a gun to my head. Okay. Once was enough. I'm not watching final deletion again. I don't care how much unused footage there is. There were a couple little moments that I can understand why they would make people laugh or make people smirk. I just kind of rolled my eyes at the thing. Um, it just – I don't know, man. It just didn't – it didn't work for me like it's working for all these other people. You know, this, this overwrought praise that it's getting. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't connect with me at that level. I did not think it was the, the, the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I – don't understand what's so great about you know Max L and the Gardener. I don't know. None of it really. Just I don't know, man. I, I you know they fired fireworks at each other, which was somewhat amusing, I guess. Uh, Jeff Hardy missed a swanton from the top of a tree, and then and then he went for the cover, which I found amusing. Uh, they emerged from the water completely dry. Um, I think all of these things were done intentionally. I think it was it was made to be goofy and and silly. On purpose, I, I don't think – you know I think Matt Hardy had every intention to make this thing totally tongue-in-cheek. Um, and, and from that perspective, that's fine, but it's not something I would ever want to see again. I think we're going to get a million awful copies of this, and it's just going to be the worst. Um, and I also fear that TNA is going to try to – now that it's been you know successful at least for one week in gaining 88,000 viewers, which is like a 20 25% jump in their viewership – I'm afraid TNA is not going to be able to help themselves and they're just going to beat this into the fucking ground and you're going to get more of this stuff and eventually everyone's going to turn on it. Yeah, I think that before I give my thoughts, yeah, that that the success of it is very interesting because it, it was, you know, short term wise, great success, you know, 4100 or or what 4100,000 viewers tuning in for that. And you know, like you said, you know, a record on impact on Pop TV. I'm sure Pop looks at that and goes, "Oh my god, wow. Yeah, there we go. Like now we got something like especially a, a, sta- a network 000, like right? 410. Yes, yes, sorry. And that's for a network like Pop that looks at TNA and I'm sure goes, oh, God, what did we do? Like, why are we doing this? Like, you know what I mean? Because every week the numbers kind of suck and, like, they, they're they kind of the black sheep of the network or whatever. To see it pop this big, I'm sure that's something that they're talking to them and going, hey, whatever this is, do it more. You know what I mean? Like, how could they not be having that conversation right now with TNA? And how can TNA, being in the position they are, say, you know what? Yeah, that was kind of fun, but let's never do that again. Like, we know – I think you and I both know, and I think anybody would be naive to think that they're not going to say – 
hey, you know, maybe not every week we're going to do something like this, but we're going to do something like this a lot. We're going to really ramp this up because, hey, it's the only thing we have. Like, you know, and, and to, to that extent, it's kind of admirable is that in that sense that it's like they finally have something kind of different than WWE. You know how we always talked about TNA being, you know, WWE light and just seemed like a, a, a dollar store WWE. Well, this is something that they did that WWE wouldn't do ever. You know what I mean? Like something as campy and as weird as this. So I could see them going, hey, let's let's go all out with this. But I don't know. I like again the short term you're talking about, and I think that's the big thing is that if they did this every week, if they did it every other week or whatever, it would lose that appeal very quickly. It'd be a few weeks, and everybody would kind of say, "Oh, that's funny," uh, and then little by little by little, you'd get people, and then you know, in five weeks, nobody would care about it anymore, and it would just kind of roll their eyes and, "Oh my God, TNA is doing this again." So that's kind of the thing that I think. What do you think about that? Before I give my reaction to uh, the final deletion, do you think it's it's something that they? Well, you already think that they're going to repeat it. Well. Correct. Yeah, because I think Matt Hardy's all in on this character, and I think it's working. So right. I think, that, of course, they and Nilsson. Well, because you can't just like walk back into the impact zone and kind of be normal, you know? What yeah. I mean? Like that's that's that that ship has sailed and, for sure. And to be clear here, and to be clear, I I have no problem with them doing the final deletion or the way that they because it it, it worked and it oh, was it, it, absolutely even if it hadn't worked, it was uh, like you said an attempt at doing something different. And if you go back several weeks on the show when we previewed Slammiversary, we both gave Matt Hardy credit at the time for for Slammiversary's hype levels, like we talked about at the time, went from zero to at least something thanks to Matt Hardy in this character. Remember we talked about that? And we're like, all right, we may not know how to quantify it. It may not equal another it – it's not going to equal 100,000 buys. It may not equal – it probably isn't going to equal even an extra 10,000 buys for the pay-per-view. But any sort of attention and any sort of uh, you know, hype levels for TNA at this point is a good thing. We praise them for that. I praise them for this too. I'm not knocking them for doing it. And, 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 and so it's just – I'm just saying that you know, a, a, you know, from a creative stand, from what I, – I didn't enjoy watching it all that much. Um, you know, I didn't think it was the worst thing ever. I just, I just came away from it like, okay, this isn't working. Twitter was going, people loved it. Okay. And we weren't the only ones who didn't like it, Rich. There were plenty of people who were also like, uh, I'm not really feeling this. But at the same time, in the moment, and I always talk about this, in the moment is not the best time at all to trash something that everyone else is enjoying. You shouldn't ever try, you should never do that. Let people enjoy something if they're enjoying it. There's plenty of time to trash something if you are the outlier or the opposite opinion on something. And those times are, well, a podcast that we have where we talk about what we like and don't like. This is the time to, 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 to pile on if you don't like something. Not in the moment. I think a lot of people who didn't like it were, were sort of quiet that night about it because they didn't want to get piled onto or they just didn't want to shit in people's cereal. You know what I mean? You, know, you don't want to piss in someone's cornflakes when they're having a good time. But, uh, but there were other people who didn't like it. But, but the majority of people thought it was campy fun. I get where they're coming from. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, I, I think my my issue with it, in a sense that I don't think I, I I disliked it maybe as much as you. I thought it was I thought it was fun at times, and I I smirked a few times. But I thought one of the things it was it just tried a little too hard to be what it was, uh, and that's the thing that I think kind of I I don't know like because the first Matt Hardy segment that you know the brother Nero and the, the complex one I really liked that one because that was kind of th- there was like bad editing on it and I feel like that was kind of intentional but it seemed a little bit more subtle in that sense it seemed like it was we're kind of trying to do this thing like we might kind of make it look cool but it's going to look kind of like I don't know I really liked that one because I thought it it seemed kind of a genuine campy sort of thing whereas this was just like let's throw 
everything we have against the wall for 17 minutes or whatever it was, and it's just going to be the most bizarre, weird, forced thing ever. And I think that's where I kind of didn't like it as much is because it just seems so forced. It seems so much of, hey, let's just make this as zany as possible. And and some people enjoy that, and I don't I, I don't begrudge you for enjoying that. But me, I like subtlety. I like that. And, and I thought that first segment absolutely hit that very well, where there was little stuff here and there, and there was little stuff with with the final deletion you know like the xylophone comment about that that was kind of cool and and but by the time it was over it was just like it 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 was just too campy it was too forcefully campy you, you know bearing you know you set the water and lighting him on fire and like it, there was just too much stuff that i kind of looked at it and i went all right this is just like it, it, it maybe it was too long too maybe it was too long for its own good i i don't know what it was but yeah i didn't like dislike it all that much i just didn't really just didn't do think anything it. Like, for you. It just didn't. Yeah, like by like minute twelve, I was like, all right, let's get going here. Like I like I, I was just kind of done with it. It was like it's fine, it's funny, and and to be fair, I watched it a few days after I had read all the hype and everybody going, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. So perhaps that's something where you know, had I watched it in the moment, I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. But it just whatever it was, it just didn't. I, I thought I'd be laughing all out loud, and I thought I'd be like, oh my god, this is hilarious or whatever. And I did, I smirked a few times. And I went, eh, whatever. But it just seemed too forced or too something. I don't know. It just didn't click with me for whatever. I mean, you know, look, it's like, you know, people are going to say we're buzzkills. That's fine. What do you want from me? I didn't like the thing. You know, what do you want from me? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't find it all that funny or all. There's a couple little cute lines, I guess. The xylophone line was cute when he said it was an extraordinary xylophone. If I hear, if I see one more dilapidated boat joke on Twitter, I'm just going to burn my fucking computer. We get, <laughs> listen, listen, we heard you. Dilapidated boat. Ha ha. All right. We heard you. Enough with the dilapidated boat. It's not that funny. It really isn't. I mean, geez. Can we calm down with the dilapidated boat, for God's sake? But I mean, yeah, it, you know, I don't know. It just didn't connect with me. It really connected with me. I think some of it, again, I do think some of it is ironic. But, uh, but you know, and that's okay, too. Hey, look, they gained 88,000 viewers. But the big key here, Rich, is next week. So 88,000 extra eyeballs, pairs of eyeballs were on this show this week. The big key is, did Lashley Eddie Edwards connect with them? Did EC3 connect with them? Did uh, um, Eli Drake connect with them? Did you know to come back next week and watch the show again, or did the large majority of those eighty-eight thousand people record it on their DVR, fast forward through the entire show, and just watch the final deletion segments? And if that's the case, I don't think a lot of those people are coming back next week. And you know, all of this. It may end up just being, you know, popping one rating, which, you know, is great for one week, but what does it mean long term? Right. It's the WCW conundrum. It's like, yeah, well, we'll have Goldberg and Hogan and everybody will watch and everybody will love it. But then they just, you know, next week, go, OK, cool. That was nice. That was fun. I'm back to WWE. I'm back to Raw. You know, and that's that's gonna be the problem with with, with TNA and with Impact is, and they've been. A, I thought it's been a, a pretty good show as of late, but it's you know, was there anything in that show? That is going to hook you to say, okay, well, now I'm officially going to watch TNA forever. You know, from now on until they really screw it up, I'm watching TNA and I'm all in. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was okay show all around, but I don't know if it was one of their better all around shows. I thought they've done better in recent weeks, so that that might hurt it a little bit. And it's just it's hard to get invested in a lot of those characters right now if you're just plopping it out of nowhere. The X Division match that opened the show was good. I thought the Lashley Eddie Edwards stuff was really good. Um, but you're right. There wasn't really much on the rest of the show. I thought the women's segment was very weak this week. I think anything with Dixie Carter is shit. Um, I think anything, Billy Corgan has not been good. 
as an on-screen character. Um, so yeah, a, a, a large chunk of the rest of the show was not good, and and really that's what they're going to need to hook. They're going to need th- th- their biggest hope here was this brought people, and people are going to go, wow, I, I want to take a look at this uh, at this Bobby Lashley now, and I'm interested in this Bobby Lashley Eddie Edwards match. That's what they need to hope for. I'm not sure. We'll find out next week. Next week is a much much bigger and much more important rating than this week was. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and other news on TNA front, they are going to a new night. Uh, TNA confirmed uh, earlier today that uh, they'll be moving to Thursdays. Uh, back, back to Thursdays. We'll, we'll go over their, uh, their, their, the chart of their history uh, here in a bit of their, where they've been. Uh, but yeah, beginning July 21st, of course, in direct uh, reaction to SmackDown moving to Tuesday nights, they're going to go to Thursdays. And they're also moving up an hour, and they'll be airing from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern um, each week. So... And I don't know what that is in, in Greenwich Mean Time, but sorry. So. So, oh, you got to slip that. You're pulling a Joel Lanza here. You had to slip that one in. <laughs> I like it, though. Um, look, they're running from SmackDown, obviously, and it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, but I really think they botched this. Uh, you know, I ran right to our Slack chat, and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? First of all, first of all, I was told when I, you know, yesterday, I, you know, I get online. I, you can't find the final deletion uh, video with a fucking search party on TNA, which is so weird. They put one up right away, and then it, it got it like down. five thousand views in seconds, and then they went to private, and then it never came back up. And then other people were uploading it. It's like, what are you doing? So then everybody's telling me, oh, they're waiting for it to air in Europe. They don't want to screw over their television partners overseas. Oh, screw so, that! No, no, hold on. So I said, okay, all right, fine. Maybe they think they're on to something big here, and you know, maybe they want to pop a rating all over the world. No problem. So I accepted that as the reason. Then today. They put the, 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 the final deletion entire edit on their YouTube page okay, before it airs in Europe, which means you know the day before, that excuse was bullshit. They weren't waiting for it to air around the world. Why the hell did they wait a day and miss out on – that was the talk of fucking wrestling Twitter yesterday. That would have been the day to put that video up and hype the fuck out of it and make sure anyone who, was, who didn't watch had a chance to see the video at the peak of its hype. No, in typical TNA fashion. <laughs> Throw some ads on there so you can actually maybe make money for the first time ever. Announce so. your time change on the damn thing. That's pretty important, isn't it? I mean, what are you doing? Why did they waste a 24-hour period? You had 88,000 new people watch your show, and, and, and you didn't put this video up next day, and you, and you just you tweet out. You wait 48 hours to tweet out that you're changing your day and time, and you don't put the hottest thing you've done in years online until 48 hours later. What are you doing? They managed to TNA this already. Big mistake. Horrible mistake. Oh, this all should have been yesterday. This all should have been striking while the iron was hot. The fuck are they waiting for? You know what I mean? It just ah, God, it drives you nuts. They finally may have hit on something. But well, you know, again, we won't know until if next week they're right back to the same levels. At the end of the day, this really, you know, it it it, it meant that all it did was garner attention for one week, and it, it'll show that a lot of people just watched it. It's it's the kind of thing where. Everyone slows down on the highway to watch, to watch the, you know, the remnants of a car crash, right? But did you keep driving? Nobody pulls over you know, uh, to, to watch the cleanup, okay? You just you keep driving and you go to wherever you're going. And that, that'll be what this is if they don't at least keep some of those viewers. Here, here's, here's a quick little look at, at, at how they, <laughs> they botched this as bad as they did. Uh, they, of course, you said you know, six hours ago they posted the, the full video, Hardy vs. Hardy. We're recording this on Thursday. Thursday. Oh. It has a little, little under fifteen thousand views. Now, to put that in perspective, 
one day ago, Rockstar Spud needed medical attention for his teeth is the name of the video. That has 25,000 views. And you know why it only has 15,000 views? Because everybody, everybody's seen it already. Everyone's seen it already with the, with the, with the non-official uploads. You blew it. You needed it. That, that video, the final, the, the, the unedited one, the, whatever they're calling it, the director, what do they call it, director's cut, okay? That director's cut of that video should have been on TNA's YouTube 30 seconds after the show went off the air. And they should have been tweeting about it nonstop. They waited a full fucking day and didn't put it up until Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday at like 8 o'clock at night, and they didn't put it up until like in the middle of the day Thursday. An absolute joke. An absolute and, joke. And people were saying, you know, there were, again, there were people saying, oh, well, you know, they wanted to announce their time change or their, their date or what. You know what I mean? Wrap that up ahead of time then and say if people are, if, if Pop TV is like, oh, we're not, tell them, hey, look, we got this big thing coming up. Let's figure it out right now. Like, I, I don't buy that Wednesday. Pop TV said, okay, yeah, what do you guys want to move to? Yeah, okay, let's do Thursday. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, that had to have been agreed upon before, of course it was. right? Of course like, it was. Yeah. So it, it's just very bizarre. Just to give you an idea, um, their preview for it six days ago, uh, that held uh, right now as we speak has 143,000 views. <laughs> so, so they lost uh, probably, yeah, 100, and, yeah, and, a lot. And some of the non, you know, people that just illegally uploaded it have, have, have blown away to 15,000 figure by now. You know why? Because they had it up immediately. And it's been up for two days. Are you kidding me? That night there were there were uh, several uploads that had like twenty thousand views on the thing, and none of that went to TNA. It's just it's baffling. And on top of that, you're you're changing your day, and you don't let people know. But that was the best opportunity ever to let people. You could you could have told a hundred thousand people. You put it right on the video. Stick it right on yeah. the fucking video. It's, just, it's a bug. It just never goes away on the video. Yeah, I don't know if you watch the YouTube video, but they have random cut-ins where it's like James Storm screaming about it or whatever. And, and that's, it's effective. It's good. It kind of breaks up the video a little bit. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. And it kind of hits you over the head. But yeah, on that show, there should have been just something smack dab in the middle of the screen or smack dab on the, on the lower half that just said, we are moving to Thursday. Warning, warning, warning. Because we know, and this is a problem with TNA all the times, and we'll go over kind of all the days that they've switched to is, it happens every single time they switch is that half their audience doesn't re- doesn't know that it's switched and then just never bothers to look for it again. Just goes, oh, what happened to TNA? Oh, whatever. And then just never comes back. That happens every single time as they go, wait a minute, TNA's not on Thursdays anymore or on, on Monday anymore. What the hell happened? And then never even bother to look at where they moved or how they went. And, and, and they never do it. They just stay away forever. Terrible job. And, 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 and look, to Matt Hardy's credit, we've talked about TNA on this show twice in three weeks because of what Matt Hardy's doing. Yeah. It's 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 getting the company attention and that's a great thing. Um but but you know it, it's like the company just continues to do things also to shoot themselves in the foot. And Slammiversary was a pretty good show. I mean the stuff that we knew was going to stink was terrible, but the stuff that we thought was going to be good delivered. You know, the mm-hmm. back end of that show delivered uh, very nicely. Excellent main event. Um you know Bobby Lashley might be you know, the most underrated wrestler right now, uh, you know, in major league wrestling, because no one's watching his stuff. And he's, he's, he's had an excellent year. He's had an excellent year and actually 2015 and 16. He's been, and he's a guy wrestler. by all rights could just be mailing it in. Like, why is he not mailing it in? You know what I mean? Like if I were him, I would absolutely, I'm, I'm your Bobby Lashley. Like you're making a lot of money and you're working for TN. Like why? But he doesn't, he hasn't mailed it in one second. This entire year, which is crazy. And the TV show has been fine for a long time. Yeah. I'm not going to go as far. Some people are saying, oh, it's really good. 
I don't know. I most. I mean, don't go out of your way to watch it, but it's not bad. Well, like, listen, I, I, most weeks I come away from it and I watch it every week. And when I happen to watch it live, I live tweet it. And the last time I live tweeted it, we lost followers. So, <laughs> I listen. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm rich. Am I making no, that's it. That's a that's a constant thing with TNA. Anytime we discuss TNA, like at any point on our Twitter account, we just like lose. We people literally people stop. I don't listen. It's just the weirdest thing. We, I never want to hear from you ever again because you talked about TNA. We <laughs> we, we, we can live tweet any live tweeting is the easiest way to pick up followers. It's been it's a proven strategy. You live tweet something, people will follow you. We live we live tweet from fucking indie. I live tweet from indie shows in Texas. We pick up followers. You live tweet from indie shows in Chicago. We pick up followers. You live tweet TV, any TV, you pick up a couple followers. You live tweet a pay per view, you pick up a lot of followers. You don't keep them all, but you pick some up and you keep some of them. I live tweet TNA and we always lose like two or three followers. <laughs> like like I'll I'll say all right, I'm gonna start live because we track this stuff. We're running a business here, so I'll watch. I'll say all right, I'm, I'm about to live tweet, so let me write down the file. And then I'm done live tweeting TNA and we have like. Three less than we had when we started. <laughs> right. Nobody, nobody new comes in, and only people. It doesn't happen for anything else. But anyway, so I watch a show every week. Sometimes I live tweet it if I'm watching it live. I can't tell. It hasn't been. There hasn't been a bad episode in a really long time. But there hasn't been what I would call a really good episode in a really long time either. It's a show that is average and is watchable and is decent. The people that tell you that Impact is horrible. Expose themselves as haven't been wa- they haven't been watching it because the show hasn't mm-hmm. been horrible. I don't agree that it's been good. A couple episodes have been okay. It's usually uh, very average. So it's not like this is a company that's just spitting out the shit that they've been shitting out at various. You were right over there, Rich. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. We got dogs messing with corners that I didn't know. Like my one dog, Louie, he, he just likes putting balls in like places that he can't get them and then screaming about them. So I just have to like cover up any place that. Yeah. That, that's a possibility because that's his favorite game in the world is to lose it and then scream until I get it for him. So it's it's pretty great. So the point here, though, I'm getting to Sorry. this, this <laughs> long winded point that I was getting to, which I you can thank Louis for breaking up was this week was another pretty average episode of Impact. It was, you know they've had better shows in the last couple of weeks. So from that perspective, I'm not so sure if people would have been hooked by this one. And actually, I'm not so sure that a lot of those 88,000 people didn't fast forward through the entire show anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, um, and this. Oh, before we uh, move on, uh, from the great Garrett Kidney, uh, of course, the TNA expert. I, I would say the the biggest TNA expert in. I mean, this guy. Like, I, I, was it last week where he said he was going to rewatch every Impact? He. Like, what the hell is wrong with Garrett? Not only that, he watches every Impact twice. He watches it. <laughs> he watches it once and reviews it, and then he watches it later in the week. He has seen every TNA match that has ever made tape. Yep. Okay, he's seen every match that ever made tape. He owns every DVD that they've ever released in company history. I've said this before and I'll say it again. What they used, they used to say about Dave Meltzer in the 90s, I think Frank DeFord may have said it, or someone said it. I don't know if it was Frank DeFord. Someone said about Dave Meltzer that Dave Meltzer knows more about pro wrestling than any other person on earth knows about any other subject, right? Garrett Kidney, I don't know if that's true, but Garrett Kidney without question knows more about TNA wrestling than any person on the earth knows about right. any other subject. And and I do and I do think that that's true. No, he's insane. Like he, he he's it's crazy. I mean, he went back and watched every world title match ever, going back and watching every impact ever, like every AJ Styles match ever. Like he's he gets on these little projects and he just goes insane. It's like, "Oh my god." He just and then he's just like, you'll see it like a gif. He just posts like a random gif and it's like amazing red doing and you're like, "What are you watching? Like what are you doing?" And it's 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 very admirable. I, I enjoy it. He's but. European, so he doesn't sleep. 
And I and Ever. I can yeah. ask a rant because the European wrestling fans never sleep. None of them. The only one that's they sleep like two and a half hours a day. The yeah. only one that sleeps is Alan. I, I'm convinced he's the only European that sleeps. So anyway, he doesn't sleep. So I can send out a random TNA question at any time on the Twitter feed. And within 15 minutes, Garrett is answering that question. Right. So, if it's about Andy Douglas or, you know, Tony Luke, he's got it. He, knows he either it. <laughs> knows the answer or he has it on a spreadsheet somewhere and he can instantly get the answer for you. I remember someone asked him, um, I forget who it was. It might have been Trevor, the Irish wrestling fan. He said, how many two and a half star plus matches did Micah have in TNA? <laughs> within minutes. And you can look this up on Twitter. Within minutes, he had an answer. I think he said he peaked at two and a half for some match against Eli Drake or something. It's just insane. He had the answer ready within like 10 minutes. So, yes. Uh, I believe if you also ask him how many uh, Jeff Jarrett guitar shots uh, took place in TNA World Title matches, I think he has that answer for he you. He does know the answer to that. At his fingertips as well, which is just incredible. So, anyway, he helped us out with this. Uh, he's always very good about doing this uh, of the different days that they have on. So, here we go, Joe. This is the path of TNA Impact Wrestling. Started on Friday, moved to Saturday. To Thursday, to Monday, to Thursday, to Wednesday, to Friday, to Wednesday, to Tuesday, and now back to Thursday. On three different networks. <laughs> On three different networks, which is why the... I love this company. Yeah, what a great it, company. The viewership just keeps going lower and lower <laughs> because it's, it's great. You can't keep up. Actually, would it be four? Are you counting Fox Sports Net? Well, I don't think he's... he's I, is he counting that? I don't know. You, he might are, they were Friday, right? Wasn't Fox Sports not the Friday? Is it called him TNA Impact Wrestling on Fox? I believe so. So he I'm might be counting. So it might be four networks. It might be four. You're right. Forget about Fox Sports. <laughs> I always, yeah. I have all those on VHS. So if anybody ever wants it, uh, I can. Uh, hey, yeah, listen. Uh, yeah. You're a big fan. Yeah, the webcast too. When were they on webcast? Does that does that count as a day or was that? You can, I don't recall if they had them in. You enjoyed the flying Elvises. That was. Uh, I did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know who didn't? You know Sonny Siaki. <laughs> Everyone enjoyed Sonny Siaki. Oh, to and Puppet, the midgets. Remember? Yeah. That's no. That's going back to the weekly pay per view. That's the weekly pay per view. Yeah, that's like the dicks and all that stuff. Yeah, this is. Thankfully, like the Fox Sportsnet era is when they started getting kind of good. Like, because they were really bad for the first few years, and then they got good, and then you know, you know, <laughs> things happened. And- well, the early weekly pay per views all got rave reviews. Those were considered. Those there was a lot of good stuff, but there then there was a lot of Russo bullshit on them too. Yeah, once yeah. you got Russo in there, yeah, then it got kind of crazy. But okay, let's move on here. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Dragon Gate. All right. So we can uh, make sure that nobody listens to the show because we talked TNA and now Dragon Gate. So we'll make sure we find the the smallest niches possible <laughs> of, of wrestling fans that, you know, if you don't like that company, you don't want to hear anybody else talk about that company. So we'll talk about those two companies that nobody wants anybody that they're uh, you know, Dragon Gate, King of Gate tournament. We have watched them. I have caught up. You have caught up. We have watched all the tournament matches. What were your thoughts on this tournament? Because I thought it was awesome. This was a great tournament, and it's a shame that not a lot of people are going to see it. I think that um, – now, here's the thing. Not all of it made tape, okay? So that's a problem. But I think they did an excellent job where a lot of the stuff that didn't make tape is kind of stuff you didn't want to see anyway. You know what I mean? Like a lot of Mondai Ryu and Punch Tamanaga and, and Cyber Kong matches were the stuff that didn't make tape, which was, which was good. All of the key – or most of the key matches made tape. There were a couple matchups here or there that I would have liked to have seen that I don't think made tape. But a lot of good stuff made tape. I had 10-plus matches at well over four stars uh, in this tournament. I thought there were great moments in this tournament, great individual moments. I thought some stars emerged out of this tournament. Uh, Big R Shimizu, I thought, 
had a star-making performance yeah. from beginning to end in this tournament. I thought Aita, a guy who people have been down on over the last year or so, was another guy who really emerged out of this thing, um, a bigger star than he was when he came into it. And I think that uh, another big thing here is the, the, the stock of T-Hawk continues to plummet in my eyes. Uh, we haven't talked about this. I don't know how you feel about that. I didn't like anything I saw out of T-Hawk in this entire No, time. he was pretty disappointing. And I'm a guy who every time I go into matches with T-Hawk, I always kind of think I'm going to like them more than I am. And I guess I just have to adjust that now because I just don't really like a lot of what he's in. Like every time it's like T-Hawk versus, okay, all right, here we go. And I'm like, ah, no, never mind. Sorry. Like it, it's just, it, it always, I don't know. It, it just never clicks with me. The crowd doesn't seem to care about it. It's just a very, it's amazing. The kind of the fall of T-Hawk over these past few years. It's just, uh, I, we all kind of thought there was something there, and I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not going to bury the guy yet and say it's over, but you know, he's getting passed by a lot of guys in that company. Two other key things for me, and I'll, and then you can give your expanded thoughts, and then we'll break into the minutia of it. Number one, I love the way that they booked this tournament from the perspective of they gave you lots of draws, and they gave you draws early, and they gave you draws often. And the reason that I enjoyed the draws is it made all of the matches that much more dramatic because draws were a real possibility. And it also allowed them to be more creative with the booking of the blocks. Draws in leagues are great. It makes things unpredictable. Unpredictability is good. And it, and it adds drama to the matches when you know that there's a third possibility for a finish. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched that Akira Tozawa ate without without spoilers. I did not know that that went to a draw. The first one, and I was just blown away because I'm I'm looking at the time and I got I'm like I'm getting a panic attack. I'm like, all right, we got 15 seconds. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, a draw, and then just in that sense of how they used the draw in that first one, the Tozawa Ato match, which by the way was my favorite match of the entire tournament, um, was just incredible. I mean, they used that drama, and Tozawa just cannot. Like, he, he's he's no, no no I had him like no there's like there's no way like I you know I had him in the 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 uh, the, 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 the suplex like it was over. I had it. It was done. Like I, I won, and you know, he just he he cannot believe it. He just can't fathom that. And I thought what was really cool about that, you know, expanding on that is so you had the draw with Ata and, and, and Tazawa in the first, um, their first encounter, and then they fought each other again. And what I loved about that is in the second one, they just went balls to the wall. The first minute of that match was them just going fucking nuts. Because they're like, you know what? No, we're not going to fuck around again, and we're not going to get a draw. Like both guys are just killing each other in the first minute. It ended up slowing down a little bit, but it was like they knew, okay, we had that draw that last time. I can't do that again, and they just went nuts. That and that's cool. Like that's something that would not have happened. It wouldn't have been that moment without that draw, and that, that's that's important. It really does help. Yeah, the second match was the block tiebreaker on yeah. the second to last night because they finished tied with seven points each uh, on top of their block. Four blocks in this tournament. Four blocks of six guys each. And um, not a ton of parody booking in some of these blocks. The Scrubs didn't win anything. Okay, this, is, this isn't like, you know, uh, uh, Gato likes to do the parody booking. Everyone's in the mix. And this, a lot of guys were eliminated very quickly. Um, but yeah, they finished tied at the top of their block. So they had to have a tiebreaker match to determine who won the block because they had a draw head to head. And you're right. They played off of the draw in the second match. And it's great. I, I, I threw this out on Twitter and didn't really get an answer. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something obvious. Can you remember the last time? that two guys had two matches against each other in the same tournament that were well over four stars the way these two matches. Hmm. I cannot come up with it in my head because you look at New Japan with – everyone's – I'm sure there's some random champion carnival something or another you know, at some point that came up. But yeah, I can't think of I'm anything. I'm sure there has been two. I just can't think of the last time that that happened because what, what New Japan does is you, the guys who face each other in the finals were in opposite blocks. You know what I mean? Right. So you, they're not they're not even having two matches against each other, and it's like and, and you know a lot of 
tournaments are single elimination, so you're not going to have guys face each other twice. These two guys, in the span of, what, three weeks or whatever it was, I don't know how far apart. I actually think the matches were exactly a month apart, if I'm not mistaken. I think the first yeah, match... Yeah, 5-11 and then 6-11, right? There or you go. Maybe 6-12, maybe 5-12, 6-12. One of those, yeah, one of the two, but yeah. Yeah, because the 6-11 and 6-12 show, shows were on the same Infinity episode, so I don't know which matches took place on which day, but the matches took place basically a month apart, and they were both well over four stars, and I'm with you. To me, the draw was the best match of the tournament. It's also one of the best matches of the year. I love that draw. I, I thought – what I loved about that draw, okay, and this is why I always say matches shouldn't be longer than 30 minutes. They really shouldn't. This is a 30-minute draw which allowed them to just bust their fucking ass for the entire 30 minutes. Whereas when you have these 60-minute draws, they're inevitably filled with stalling and bullshit and nonsense because – these guys are human. They can't go hard for 60 minutes. And in my opinion, you cannot tell a cohesive wrestling – 60 minutes is too much time to tell a good pro wrestling story. I know people disagree with me, but you're all wrong, and I'm right. It's too much time for these guys to work with. They don't know what to do with themselves for 60 minutes. So you get side headlocks that last 15 minutes. You get stalling. You get the first 20 minutes that don't factor into the last 40 minutes. And, and you know, these 30-minute draws are – I always enjoy these 30-minute draws. These guys worked so hard for this whole match, and they went, they went hard the entire way. Yeah, you know, and that was, and 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 then at the end, just the struggle as they both knew the time was running out, and I ate to bust his ass to put on this, and and the one spot where Tazawa reversed, I ate the submission hold and turned it into a, a, a straight jacket German, but he couldn't get the pinfall, and then minutes later he's going for it again, and I ate to just reach it for the ropes out of sheer desperation because he knows if he gets hit by it by that point of the match, he's dead, and he was dead. He did get hit by it, and he was dead, but like you said, time ran out in the middle of the count. It ran out in the middle of the count. Because <laughs> I was like, finish it. Like, he's just berating the ref. Like, come on. Like, could you give me one more second? Just, fit it. just put your hand down one more time. And, 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 and it was that close. And the way he yeah. sold it, the look on Tozawa's face that you referenced. He was crying. Yeah, he was like next to – he was about to tear up. He was like, he was like no, oh, I had on. the points. I had him beat. How did this happen? Yeah. And then they go into that next match, the tiebreaker, like you said, just, just again with full-on effort, just two great matches that played off of each other. And then the finish of the second match where he had him up for that straight jacket. And I hate to, again, reach it for the ropes. He knows he cannot get hit by this. And it's great because he's light enough to where Tozawa can hold him up forever. And it adds so much drama to the move. He has, he has him up in the air, Rich, for what feels like 15 minutes. You know what I mean when he's, when he's, when he's ready to hit him with... I love, I love when he does that, too. That's, that's one of my favorite moves in wrestling because I just love the idea that like he holds him up and like anything can happen when he's up there. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can see like when a lot of times when a, a guy will put his finisher on once he got it, once he has it pretty well set up, you're like, okay, it's over. That one is like he holds and he holds and he holds and he holds and it's like anything can happen in this, you know, 20 seconds. Like a guy can reverse it. Tazawa can just lock it in and, and, and destroy him or there's just so many things that can happen. You're, you're just you're just glued to the TV to say or, or glued to whatever you're watching on just seeing what what. OK, is he going to finish this move? Is it going to happen? And then when it happens, it's like it's just such a relief in ways. It's like, oh, OK, good. Like you got it. But it's it's cool in that sense. I love that move. It's so awesome. And then Tazawa is exhausted after that win. And that played in to his semifinal match against Yamato later that night. And I, you know, it's those little touches like that that, you know, it's just this company. And the other point I was going to make before we got wrapped up with Tazawa and Aita, the other big picture point that I wanted to make here was you, you could be someone who's never seen a Dragon Gate match in your life and knows nothing of the promotion. And you could parachute in on this King of Gate and watch it from start to finish and have a full and clear idea 
of the characters and the motivations of the characters in this company because the storytelling is so good and so clear and so obvious and so well done. You would know, okay, this Shingo guy is the biggest fucking asshole I've ever seen. (laughs) He's a smug fucking prick, and I want someone to take that fucking title off him because I can't stand him. This big R Shimizu is going to be the biggest star in the company within five years, and he's the fucking goods, and he's a beast, and I love this guy. Akira Tozawa is a guy that I can't help rooting for. The guy's all heart. Aita is a a great young up-and-comer. This Yamato is the guy that I want to see beat the shit out of Shingo, and you're going to get your chance at uh, Kobe World. You go right down the list, and you immediately get a you, – you know what the motivations and the characters of all of these guys are okay? because Dragon Gate is the best in the world, and they have been for a decade at doing story-based wrestling and emotion-based wrestling. You don't get wrapped up emotionally in any company the way you do except with it because they build their stories so well. That's what they do to bet. WWE, you know what WWE is the best at, Rich? Big moments, right? Nobody does the big moment like WWE does, right? I think everyone would agree with that. What does New Japan do? The epic matches. No one does the epic match. The big match feel. Who gives you more of a big match feel than New Japan? Nobody. You know, I'm talking modern wrestling, right? They give you the epic matches and the big match feel, okay? They give you that. WWE gives you the big moments. You know what Dragon Gate does better than anybody on that same level? Emotion. Emotion. Okay? No other company could have done that Yuhan Nation send-off the way that they did it. Okay? No other company can have you at the end of these matches just, just feeling it and on the edge of your seat and standing up, rooting for some of these guys, rooting against some of these guys. It's so emotion-driven. They really suck in with that. That's another thing they do very well in this company. Uh, two matches that I really liked as well from the King Gate, and then we can maybe break down uh, a little bit of the blocks and what, what sort of came. Uh, I want to talk about the finals too, uh, the final match. But uh, two of the matches I really enjoyed as well, and you said again, it's like uh, you can tell the motivations of these guys very simply. You know, Shima versus Akira Tozawa, I think that was the eighth, was a really cool one. And then Mochizuki versus Tiok on the 11th was one that, you know, I don't like Tiok's performance, but I like that Mochizuki was just like old grumpy asshole to this young upset you know what i mean like and, and you know that like you watch the match and you just see by the way mochizuki's working and the way his kicks look and the way his chops look and the way his punches like you can tell that that guy is just like he's got no time for this kid he just wants to get over this over with and, and doesn't respect the guy and it, that was cool and then shima kiritsuzawa you can see that again with shima's being that old legend like you can tell very very quickly what those guys are and who they are and i, I like both those matches because it was just a a very you know they weren't I don't know if they were necessarily blowaway matches or, or my favorite matches of the entire you know tournament, but two matches that I just loved because they just had like great little nuanced stories to them. I'll give you a couple of mine. One that I don't think nearly enough people are talking, and I love I like all those matches you just talked about, especially Shima Tozawa, which I thought may have been the second or third best match in the entire tournament. I thought Tozawa killed it in this tournament. So that was incredible. Yeah, and that's why I tweeted it out. If you don't love Akira Tozawa, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, I, I really honestly don't. We had one person on Twitter that said, oh, he's too charismatic. I went, what? go away. What's that even mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> yes, you're right. He is the most charismatic wrestler ever. You're right. Like, how dare he? <laughs> he may have had the three best matches in the tournament. And I thought Big R Shimizu uh, came out of this. Even though Yamato beat him in the final. Big R Shimizu was the real winner of this tournament in terms of um, him, his, you know, taking a leap in uh, in his career. I mean, this was a star-making tournament for Big mm-hmm. R. And that's across the board, too. I don't think anybody watched this tournament and came away with it not saying Big R Shimizu is a star, a superstar in the making. We've been saying that for years, but I thought this was one of his bigger coming out parties. This was a huge had. step in that direction, a huge step. And Yamato was the right guy to win. I, you know, Yamato should have won, and he did win. 
and that's fine. And uh, but but the uh, two matches, one match I don't think enough people are talking about. I don't even know if you watched it. Was Naruki Doi versus Big R? This match was something else. Naruki Doi, of course, as you know, much like uh, Shingo, a tremendous heel. I mean, this guy's a fucking prick. Uh, he he's just he's just a dirtball, and 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 you want it, and he's smug. He's a he's a he's a, a heel in a completely different way than Tazawa. He's smug. He smirks a lot, and he's like, his voice makes you angry. Like you just want to punch him when you hear him talk. Yeah, Tazawa, I'm sorry, I said Tazawa. I meant Shingo. Obviously, Shingo's a bully heel. Doi is like a a, a wormy little shit. Okay, they're they're a little bit different in that regard. But he, the story of that match with Big R is he knew he was in over his head. And the looks on his face when Doi was breaking his holds and everything else, and the finish of that match with the blood coming out of Big R's mouth, man, did I love that match. Again, they hooked me emotionally in that match. And the other match was Shingo versus Don Fuji, also from the 22nd. Let me tell you something about the, the, the May 22nd show. That is a sleeper show of the year candidate. That had the Doi Big R match I just talked about. It had Shingo Don Fuji where, again, you got Shingo beating up the old guy and you're just rooting so hard for Don Fuji to beat this dude. It had the Dragon Kid Mochizuki match, which I also had at four stars. And then it had the Tazawa Susumu match, which is another great Tazawa match. Tazawa had four or five. Yeah, he was awesome. Great four-star plus match. If not for Big R, if not for Big R, Akira Tazawa would be the talk of the tournament. But he, uh, you know, Big R is, the, and, and rightfully so, the talk of the tournament. Absolutely. Sure. I thought Tazawa had the best matches, if you go match for yeah. match. But Big R was the star of the tournament in, in terms of uh, star power and things of like that uh, but coming out of it. But but that 522 show, I haven't watched the tags, obviously, because I was trying my best to get through all these matches. I'm going to go back and watch the entire 522 show because if the tags delivered at any decent level, that's a sleeper show of the year contender with those four top matches. But, uh, yeah, top to bottom, tremendous tournament. What about the semifinals and the final? What did you think of that? You had Tazawa, first of all, winning the tiebreaker against Aita. And then you had Masaki Mochizuki, the old veteran. He won his block, and he, he faced Big R in one semifinal. And the other semifinal was Yamato versus uh, Akira Tazawa. Yeah, I thought you mentioned a little bit the, the great story of, you know, Kirizawa is exhausted. You know, it, it, he went balls to the wall to try to beat Ada the, as quick as possible in, the, in that match. You know, we had the draw. I don't want to do that again. And then we have this match again, and I have another match later. So I want to get this done in about two minutes. Like, they went into that match like, okay, let's, you know, throw everything at the wall in the first two minutes. And let's see what can happen. Well, it ended up being, you know, 15 minutes in a hard-fought battle. And, and like you said, a four-star, nice, good back-and-forth match. Tazawa was gassed. He was done, and I thought that was a cool little story that Yamato kind of played that up. And and, and Yamato's a great. I, I I I don't know if his matches were necessarily great throughout this tournament. Though I, I liked him. I, it's not to you know kind of throw him under the bus or anything like that. I liked what he did, but I thought as a there was a lot of character growth. I thought for him throughout this tournament. And this was another match where I thought that was that was nice. He's really coming across as a big star, and he's he's sort of working his way through. You know, this guy who's been a heel for for quite a few years, and now he's finally trying to gain their trust back, trying to get them to you know get the crowd to love him again. And it's 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 not quite there yet, but it's it's getting there. And this was a match where I thought they did a good job of trying to do it a little bit more against a guy like Tazawa, who's just draws so much fan interest and so much you know intrigue in every match he's in. Yeah, and I thought a, a big key too was that he lost to Shingo during the uh, round robin portion because mm-hmm. Shingo was in his block. So they have it to where Shingo beat Yamato, but Yamato won the block and then went on to win the tournament. So then Shingo came out and sort of ruined Yamato's moment, and he came out with his title and said, "Look, I'm not going to face you. I beat you already." You know, in typical Shingo fashion, you got this guy who couldn't even win his own block, but he wants to go out there and call the shots 
against the guy who won the block and won the whole tournament based on the fact that he beat him earlier that night. So he wasn't going to face him. Finally, uh, you know, he comes around, I guess, and agrees to, to the match. And then he, you know, and then he, uh, he attacked Yamato from behind, which, of course, um, you know, the fans booed the shit out of that. And that set up the, uh, the upcoming Kobe World main event, which will be Yamato facing Shingo and probably beating him for the title. I think he's going to mm-hmm. win that match. Um, I, I don't want to see I – w- I want to see Shingo hold this title forever. I mean, I know eventually he's so great. Yeah, he's the heel, and someone's got to vanquish him and all that. And I get it. And I know you want to do Yamato Doi at some point. You know, you got to do that. They kept him apart here, different blocks, all that. But um, you know, if I were running things, he'd beat Yamato because you could easily tra- you could even have Doi cost Yamato the match. You could do something like you, there's a million ways you can get out of that. I would go more in the direction of Yamato Doi, and if it were me, Shingo would either lose to Akira Tozawa in Osaka. Assuming he doesn't sign with WWE, which he's probably going to, or he would lose to Big R Shimizu a year or two down the line. That's how mm-hmm. I would book okay. things out. Yeah, not not BB Hulk, please, <laughs> please don't do that. Uh, but that's another possibility too. It is, yeah. It's going to yeah. be one of those four guys. I mean, I think Yamato's going to win at World. I do, but um, that's not what I would do. I would, you know, if if Tazawa is going to stick around, I think he's got to win. And if he wins a title, I think it's got to be in Osaka. I think that. Um, you know, or Big R is the guy though down the line. I mean, I think oh, Big R has blown past T Hawk. I mean, just blown. Past oh, it's not even close. No, it's not even a competition. I mean, T Hawk is broken down on the side of the road, and 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 Big R is driving a Lamborghini. That's how. That's how much. That's how easily he's passed him by. I mean, it's not even close at this point. Aita has passed T Hawk at this point too, in my opinion. I mean, which is crazy. Yeah, I never thought that would happen because I always. You know, I was like, or I don't know how the hell to pronounce it. I don't know. If, are, are, are you correct or am I correct? I don't well, know I can, on that one. I can tell you what it isn't. E-I-T-A. <laughs> it's a callback that no one's going to understand. But uh, I don't even know if I understand that. Uh, that was uh, that is what Brian Alvarez called him. And oh, God. When he, did, when he did that interview with, uh, I think it was Johnny Gargano. I don't remember. Oh, was, boy. But he said, you had a big match against E-I-T-A. <laughs> <laughs> that's great so yeah so uh, god all right but uh yeah no like i always you know, t-hawk was always one that i said you know hey i i, I like it's a, he's, he's solid but t-hawk's the guy t-hawk's the man and uh, it's not that way anymore and i really honestly like and i, I like i said i always enjoyed eight's work but i always thought okay you know eight's got a ceiling but t-hawk man the sky's the limit this guy can really go and no not really um, real quick before uh, we get into our next, but I think do you want to preview Kobe World real quick, or do you want to wait until we get a little bit closer to the event because we had the full card? Uh, I think we could just uh, quickly give the matches. Shingo's okay. Sing, Shingo's defendant against Yamato. Uh, yeah, well, one thing here before you do that, I did want to read the I Heart DG uh, right, translation of, of Shingo talking to Yamato after the the King of Gate uh, final, which again, like, you give a real good really, idea of how much of a prick he is. I really hope that it's not Jay just making these things up. You know what I mean? Like I, I and I don't like, <laughs> yeah. but it's again, it's like another greatest promo ever. You're like Shingo's the best. Like I, I if if these are not the promo, like it, it's why I want to know Japanese so bad because it's like oh my god, just to listen to these and know what he's saying we, would be incredible. We say it all the but... time, it'd be the greatest fanfic of all time if Jai was just fucking pulling a fast <laughs> one on all of us and just making this shit up. All right. So after Shimizu left, Yamato turned his attention to his next target. He wanted the Dreamgate champion. He wanted to be the Dreamgate champion a fourth time. He called out Takagi, who he was the King of Gate winner. That gives him dibs in the next title match. Takagi laughed it off. The Joker, who Takagi beat handily during league play, wants a title shot. To have this guy, this weakling, win King of Gate, this company should be ashamed. This is just the worst. In any case, his answer is fuck no. 
Fans can boo all they want. That wasn't going to change things. The Dreamgate champion is superior to the winner of some tournament. Yamato pressed him further. Takagi admitted that he was getting a little restless. He hasn't defended the title in a long time due to King of Gate. He's eager to destroy a new challenger. Fine. He can have his match. Yamato began to respond but was given a pumping bomber. Yamato lost his edge. The war is on. He should be ready at all times. Just tremendous. She goes the best. She goes the fuck no and then just beats him up. Yeah, goes. You know what? I'm kind of bored. Yeah, I will face you, and then just fucks him up. Yeah, attacks. <laughs> him. This is yeah. great stuff, you know. And I'm sorry, I you know it's it's I don't buy into this theory that the Japanese Dragon Gate fans have that he has go away heat with those people. I don't buy it. I think it's seem to still be buying tickets to watch him as the champion, he, and he's been <laughs> champion before, and as a baby face and a heel. Okay, show me the show me business numbers that indicate that these Dragon Gate fans can't stand this guy to the point that they legitimately don't like him. Business would reflect it, and it never has. If someone could turn around and show me some numbers that show that attendance drops, whatever the case may be, I'll say, okay, maybe you're on to something. This is a very smart company that has been built from the ground up and run by very smart people who have built a company from nothing into what it is now, the number two Japanese, we all know it's the number two company in Japan. They do very solid business. They run four or five really big shows a year that drive five, that draw five, 6,000 uh, fans, 7,000 fans. Okay. They're not doing the 9,000 that they're reporting. That's bullshit. But they're doing five, 6,000, sometimes 7,000 fans for these big shows. Okay. They would not push a guy, consistently push a guy like this at the top if he was driving away business. I, I, I think it's bullshit. I don't buy it for one second. And no one can convince me otherwise until I see numbers. Because numbers talk. I don't care what the guy next to you in Corican Hall says. Because you know what? He bought a ticket. If this guy had all this monstrous go-away heat, people would stop buying tickets when he was pushed. And that hasn't been the case. Okay? So I don't, I, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. If someone can prove it to me otherwise, I'm all ears. All right. Move on to uh, New Japan. We'll stay in uh, Japan. Super Jacob. We have the, uh, the full field now. And it is making everybody really mad, and I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, so, what what happened here with the, with the Super J Cup? What what are your thoughts on the tournament field? We'll go over the participants here in a sec. But uh, overall thoughts on the field before we kind of break the guys down individually. I think the field is pretty much exactly what I was expecting in terms of um, a level of participants and all that. Um, there's a couple snubs I think that we can talk about, but I. The people who are super disappointed with it, I really don't know where they're coming from from the perspective of I'm not sure what they were expecting in terms of field. Because this is almost – I mean a lot of these, if you break it down and that's what we're going to do, it's it's almost the exact participants that, that we were expecting to represent all these groups. So I don't see what the, what the fuss is or what the gripes are from the people who, who aren't happy with the field. Yeah, I, I can understand some people maybe wanted, oh, this is going to be... And it was the same thing that we had with the Cruiserweight Classic. And I think that's just a general thing with fans where... And I get it. Like, people have these ideas that, oh, my God, you're going to do this. It's going to be every great person ever. And, oh, my God, it's going to be this guy and that guy. And the, and it's like... It, these those tournaments aren't designed to do that. Like, And guys have to lose, too. That's another thing that people have to remember with tournaments is that you know some companies don't want to send their top guy to go lose in the first round to some guy from New Japan or whatever. So you know, there's there's politics involved in that. There's politics involved with the Cruiserweight Classic. Like, You need people to lose as well. And and I don't, to me, you know, I, I like a little bit of variety. I like guys that are just kind of there, guys that you might not know a lot about that aren't you know these, these great stars. But then I look at this list and I go, 
who's really the surprise? Like, I kind of feel like everybody that's here, we kind of knew was going to be here. Right? That's my point. Like, I, I'm like not- I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, honestly, like, who would I take out? Like, who would I replace with with X? Like, who was the guy? And because they gave us the promotions, they basically said, here are the promotions represented. And pretty much, if you were smart enough or, or, or on the pulse with with Japan, you could pretty much fill out. I would say ninety percent of these guys, really, like seventy five, I think, is is very conservative yeah. that you could have picked those out. I mean, I, I mean, let's look at it. Okay, Dragon Gate got one rep. Everyone wanted Aita, right? And that's what they gave us. So we yeah. got Aita. I don't think anyone has a gripe with that, but I'm just saying we're going step by step. Chaos was given one guy. Everyone on Earth knew that that was going to be Will Ospreay, <laughs> right? We're doing the obvious ones first. Okay, um, the, the uh, let's see. The Noah reps. We got Taiji Ishimori, Kano, and Daisuke Harada. We knew that a mile. We knew that yeah. f- forever ago because they they gave you you knew Ishimori was going to be one of the guys. Okay, so you got one rep from each of the other two big junior teams, but you got who's generally considered the two better guys from each of those teams. I may prefer O'Hara to Kano, but I knew Kano was going to get that spot. I knew it wasn't going to be O'Hara. And you kind of had to figure that Daisuke Harada was going to get the spot over Katoge. So I don't think there's any surprises with the Noah field. Knew it at Suzuki Gun. We knew they were getting two guys. Everyone knew Yoshinobu Kanemura was going to be one of them. Okay, he's their champion. He was getting a spot. Taichi, that might be a little bit of a surprise because I think a lot, most of us thought it would be El Desperado, right? So you got Taichi instead of Desperado. That's a really bad hill to die on, though. It's like, that's an you awful know. hill to I mean, is that really that big a deal? I mean, give me a break. Okay, uh, CMLL. Okay, here's one. Everyone was hoping for Dragon Lee. Okay, I think number one and maybe some other guys. But Teton's not bad. I don't think anyone's mad about Teton. Okay, that's a, not a bad guy at all to have in there instead. Okay, um, K-Dojo, look, does it really matter which K-Dojo guy it was at the end? of the, Whoever it was was losing in the first round. I'll tell you what, that's one of the few choices that I'm not happy with. I'm not a big Kaji Tomato guy. I'm not. I, I think K-Dojo has uh, several guys that are better workers than him, but he's the most charismatic, and I can totally see why he got the spot over the others. All Japan, Yuma Aoyagi, uh, uh, Ayo, Ayo I, I can't say his name. Ayo, we pretty much figured he'd be the guy. New Japan, all Japan is super light on juniors. Okay, so they sent their, you know, their youngest guy over. And then, so I think what got people riled up was the ROH spot yeah. and the X spot. The ROH spot went to Matt Seidel, which is kind of like the last sign of, the latest sign of disrespect the perceived disrespect that Japan is sending towards ROH. But again, let's break this down. If you want to say, okay, ROH should have gotten a true rep, you got to give me a name. You know, It's kind of like when people get mad about all-star snubs in sports. Oh, this guy should have been in. This guy, yeah, well, who are you taking out? And if you want to take someone out, you got to tell me who you're putting in. Who does ROH have on the table? Okay, I heard a lot of people say ACH. Well, ACH has been booked for the NOAA Junior Tag Tournament, which is going on at the exact same time for months. So it wasn't going to be ACH. I think you can make a reasonable case. I think Leo Rush would have been a good choice. Yeah, I have no problem with that if you want to say Leo Rush. But at the end of the day, Matt Seidel is pretty fucking good, right? So what are we complaining about? We're complaining about Matt Seidel being in this tournament? Uh, Kamatachi is another one, too, that, that I think a lot of people would bring and that up. But, uh, uh, and that one is fair. I got no problem if you were expecting Kamatachi to have one of these spots. The, the issue with that, though, is 
you know, New Japan maybe has a lot of higher hopes for Kamatachi and doesn't want to bring him in in this tournament. And maybe they go, they're looking at it and going, hey, that's not a guy we think is going to win right now. Yes, if you want to make the argument that Kamatachi should join, get in this tournament and win it and be awesome and then he's off the running, then yes, you were correct. That's what they should do. But if they had this idea of either Osprey or Kushida or one of these guys winning or, or, or using it in that sense, then no, you don't want to just have Kamatachi come in. And, and like when you, when you want to bring him back, you got to hit the ground running with him. So yeah, I have no argument if you want to say, hey, put him in this thing and have them win it and then you're ready to go that i agree with but if they said hey look this isn't the right time we're not gonna we're not we don't really have the story yet for him then i agree they'll leave him over there do not let him just come into this tournament and just be a guy and then go back or whatever like you you don't need that i listen i think you nailed it he if he's gonna be in it he has to win it so if you don't plan on him winning it don't even put him in the thing which again, you want to argue that? That's fine. You can do yeah. that. But yeah, if if they had to honestly, if they said to themselves, "Hey, we we want X to win, and and we don't want we're not going to have Kamatachi win. We're going to have X win." Then it's absolutely the right idea to not have Kamatachi be in there. Right. So if they've got a big plan for him for whatever it is, Wrestle Kingdom or Destruction, I don't know if they got a big plan or next year's best of Super Juniors, whatever their long term plan is for him, they're obviously sticking to it here. Now, I will say this, Rich: if they bring him back later this year or whatever and he's working the Rambo at Wrestle Kingdom, then you can look back on this and say, well, what the fuck? If, th- if, you, if this is the shit that you had planned for him when you brought him back, why didn't you bring him back for Super Jacob and make a star? But let's see what their plan is for him because they clearly have designs on pushing this guy when he comes back, so let's see what they do. Here, now I have a theory, and of course, uh, Garukin Mask, who is the top star of uh, you know, the Dragon <laughs> promotion and the owner. Yeah, we, we knew that like months yeah, ago. I mean, like, the second they announced the Super Jacob, you could basically just put Garukin Mask in there. To- so... To get to lose in the first round to somebody, right? So. so a lot of these people knew who they were going to be months out. They pretty much nailed it. There's a couple minor grapes you have, which brings us to the three New Japan spots and the wild card spot. I think when people saw Bushi in the X spot, that annoyed people because not because it was Bushi. I don't think anybody has a problem with Bushi. I think what annoyed people was that's where they were expecting some you know big mysterious name from the outside to be named in that spot. Here's what I think happened. Tell me what you think of this theory, Rich. I think originally they were trying to land someone like that. But what happened was it didn't happen. It fell through for whatever reason. I think Bushi was originally going to be one of the three New Japan guys along with Kushida and Jushin Liger. I think whoever they had planned for X didn't happen for whatever reason. So they moved Bushi to the X spot using the Los Ingobernobiles excuse. And then they put... And then they put Taguchi in the tournament as sort of a last-minute replacement. My the-, the reason I think that is because if the X spot was intended for Los Ingobernobiles the entire time, they just would have called it a Los Ingobernobiles spot. They wouldn't have called it an X spot to begin with. They just would have called it that and named Bushi to the spot. So mm-hmm. I think there were plans there that didn't come through, whether it was going to be Kamatachi or whether it was going to be whoever. Come up with your guy of choice. And and that's why I think that played out the way it did. I don't think Taguchi was going to be in this tournament originally. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm trying to look at the dates because we know that the J Cup was announced uh, March 3rd. I'm curious. I'm trying to look at when the Cruiserweight Classic was announced. I don't recall exactly when that was. Uh, they said they were kicking it off because I do wonder if they maybe it's a guy in that that they went, oh, crap. OK, we had a, we thought that guy was going to be available and that guy's not like, yeah, it could have been a number of things. But I agree with you. You would have just been transparent about it and not because that's sort of it's kind of a bait and switch thing. And I don't know why they would do that. Like there's no benefit to saying, oh, it could be anybody. And then, oh, it's just Bushi. You know what I mean? It's like just there's that, no that's just going to annoy people. Yeah. 
Right. They know. I think they know better to know that that's probably not the best move uh, to do. So, yeah, that's uh, very interesting. Um, I think they just would have called it an LIJ spot from the beginning. I mean, they, right. they had a chaos spot and they had two Suzuki gun spots. So they why would they have just called why would they have called that one X or wild card instead of just calling it Los Ingobernobles? I, I don't buy it. So that I think and I think that annoyed people. I think people were expect. But here's the thing. Who could it have been? I mean, you know, who who are these big let's go over to snubs. Okay, Ricochet. That's a fair wouldn't you have liked to seen Ricochet here? Yeah, but people would make that same complaint. I mean, he's there all the time too. So You're right, because a major complaint was, oh, there's too many bushy road guys. Well, that's another New Japan guy. So that wouldn't have made people happy either. But I, I to me, I think that's a I, that's a guy I would have tried to get in there. But Ricochet is also a guy who gets booked all over the world, and maybe you just couldn't get the dates. You got to get two dates for this thing. You had to get seven twenty and eight twenty one. Okay, maybe they just could not get Ricochet on those. They don't have. I don't think he's gotten any kind of exclusive contract with New Japan. Where they could override his exclusive contract was with Lucha Underground up until a week ago. I don't think he's under any kind of exclusive deal with New Japan. Maybe they couldn't get the date. Uh, Kamatachi was another one that you named. I think that's legitimate, but we already went over why they might not have wanted to have done that. Other than those two guys, Rich, where are these? Uh, what other? Who else would you stick in here that that isn't in here that would have been an upgrade or? Um, and I'm talking major snubs. I'm not talking about El Desperado instead of tight. Okay, because if that's your gripe, then you're just looking the gripe. Major snubs on the level of a Ricochet or a Kamatachi or a Dragon Lee. You want to say Dragon Lee instead of Teton? Yeah, I get I got that. no beef with you whatsoever. That would have been fine. But here's the thing. I don't mind Teton. I think he's a competent replacement. And if you talk to the Lucha people, they knew this for months. So there were no plans for Dragon Lee. It was Teton all along. Can you think of anybody else who, who where they blew it, where they flat out blew it? Not really. I mean, you got like a guy like a Tozawa, which I think would be really cool if that was like your Dragon Gate representative, uh, Akira Tozawa. But of course, we you know, Ates is a great. I think it's a, a perfect pick as well from coming from that company, um, and especially with the Cruiserweight Classic. Of course, Tozawa won't be around. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I mean, I'm sure. <sighs> trying to think if there's anybody like because the problem is is you know if, if i'm thinking of what i want or what it, it, it's a little bit different right, like, did you right. want I, do you want like you. a young guy do you want a little a, a guy that you don't know of that's kind of kind of surprise or do you want like a big american guy two or different, like is that two different bad? questions here right question one where do you see any major snubs aside from the ricochet kamatachi and dragon lee that people should be up in arms about where or in question two and I have an answer for this, but I'll you go first. Do you, what would you have changed if you could have changed anything? I have a couple changes I would have made. Yeah, yeah I mean, the first thing is obviously, no, there's not really a big, like a guy that we think of that they have at their arm's length. Like, yeah, maybe they had a conversation with some guy that we can't even think of or can't even fathom. Yeah, that would have been a snub. But knowing what they have around them and knowing their relationships and that sort of stuff, yeah, it's fine. Like, you know, like I, I don't know who was like, a really awesome guy that couldn't have been there. Like, you you know, maybe, yeah, I I don't know. There's nobody off the top of my head. As far as changes I would have made, I would have, one of the things I always loved about the old Super J Cups, and I'm kind of going through and watching them for for a project we're doing on the website, is going through and looking at them and and, and discussing characters that, you know, are the guys that, what they were before and what they were after the J Cup and sort of how it changed them in, in some ways. One of the things that I really loved about the old J Cups is there was a lot of, like, young 
guys that you hadn't have heard of before. Like that 94 one. We, everybody looks at that 1994 Super Jacob as like, okay, that is the best one. And, and it absolutely is. You got Black Tiger, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Takamichinoku, Dean Malenko, you know, Sanjiro Otani, those sort of guys. Big guys. But then you had like a Gato who came out of absolutely nothing. Like Gato was a nothing at that point. But he, you know, ends up making it to the semifinals. Is this like heroic guy or whatever. And you're just getting these new, like the crowd is just learning about these new guys right off the bat. I mean, you're getting like, uh, you know, Super Delphin is like a new thing to that. They're, they can't, oh my God. Is that the Mochizuki year? Uh, that, I think that's 95 that you're thinking okay. of. Well, yeah, 95 is Mochizuki. Yeah, but no, yeah, but that, that's the year we have like Lionheart and that stuff. But that, that first one, you have a lot of guys that like, we sort of take it for granted now, but that they, they didn't know a lot of these like Michinoku Pro guys. Like that was a whole new thing to a lot of these fans. And that that's awesome. That's really cool. I enjoy that. This one, I look at it as maybe it's because I'm, I, I am what I, you know, I watch a ton of Japanese wrestling now and I know all these guys, but to me, there's not really outside of, you know, Tomato and maybe that's it. Like everybody else, like I kind of am super familiar with and there's no like young upstart guy that i really look at and go okay that guy can really just kind of take this the the junior world by storm by being in this match there's not really those sort of guys in on this one, one. And on, that, that, yeah, but on one hand you could say that's a product of the times because oh sure because you know in 1994 the only reason you weren't familiar with all those guys is because those weren't the vhs tapes that you chose to buy hypothetically mm-hmm. you know what i mean right whereas now everything's out there if you want to see it you don't have to buy it and it's for free. But with that said, I would counter that argument with the Cruiserweight Classic managed to have a bunch of guys that no one's familiar with. So if that's what you're looking for, that tournament would appeal to you more because that, sure. that tournament has you know six to eight guys that – I would say that the Cruiserweight Classic has at least three or four guys that anyone listening to this would find unfamiliar. They might be different for each of us. But I think – and we're the hardest of the hardcore, and the people listening to this are the hardest of the hardcore, and there are still three or four guys. There's no one who is, who is intimately familiar with everybody in the Cruiserweight Classic. There just isn't. Um, so you know they managed to do it. This tournament did not. But here's the thing. This tournament too, you have to understand, New Japan. this is a New Japan event. So a lot of people are saying, oh, there's too much Bushi Road involvement. It's their tournament. What did you expect? <laughs> and you knew right off the bat, they told you there were going to be three New Japan, one Chaos, two Suzuki Gun, three Noah. You knew that right off the bat. So where people got annoyed, I think, was a New Japan guy getting the ROH spot and a New Japan guy getting the X spot. That's, I think, where people got annoyed. But at the end of the day, it's Matt Seidel and Bushi. So what's the problem? I mean, if I told you beforehand that those two guys would be in it and didn't tell you what spots they were occupying, you wouldn't have a problem with it, right? No. Yeah, I don't think so. But it, it's a matter of, okay, well, they're occupying spots that we didn't want them to occupy. Right. They sort of, yeah, the, the way that they advertised it at first probably did it damage. Where if they just were outward and saying, hey, these are the guys, one guy's from Gobernables and, you know, the Ring of Iron guy's probably going to be a guy that we already have on, on record or a guy that you already see a lot. Yeah, that would maybe change a lot of, of how people's perception would be. Yeah, I mean, in the Ring of Honor thing, like I said, outside of Leo Rush, who else is there? I mean, there really <laughs> isn't anyone. Yeah, welcome to Ring of Honor's roster. I mean, we did that. We did that uh, show a few weeks ago where we went, okay, let's look at Ring of Honor's roster. Okay, wow, geez, that's and maybe yeah. and, you know who uh, and I don't know where he's booked on the twentieth and the tw- and you know and August twenty first. I have no idea. You know, so I, I'm sure he would have dropped everything to come to, to do a big. I, I'm sure he would have dropped everything to do Super J Cup if he was asked. I mean, I can't imagine him. Oh God, that's going to get me in trouble. What What's the date of the SCI? 
I honestly didn't mean. But what's the date on that? Uh, let's see. Old scenic city invitational. Yeah, I don't know the date off the top of my head, but I mean, my, let my, me look. But I know that's the connection people were going to make when I said that. I really am. But the point is, uh, Friday, August fifth, and Saturday, August sixth. All right, so that's not even a factor because this is July twentieth and August twenty first. So there, okay, so there you go. I I found everybody their Ring of Honor gripe. You could have booked Leo Rush. Unless they tried, I, I doubt Ring of Honor would have told him no if he has Ring of Honor bookings on those two dates. Maybe he doesn't have a visa for all I know. I don't fucking know. But th- there's a guy, that's a legitimate gripe because ACH isn't. He's booked for Noah. What are you going to do? He's in Noah at the same time. But I can't think of another Ring of Honor guy. I just went through the roster. It's, uh, it's not pretty. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, I do not advise you to do that. Now, you could say, all right, well, if you're going to go with the Ring of Honor guy who's really a New Japan guy, then why not Kyle O'Reilly? Why not? Uh, you know, somebody like that. And that's, I guess that's legitimate too. And I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. My whole thing is I don't mind Matt Seidel being in this tournament. So I, from that perspective, I, you know, I, I can't get worked up about it. Anyway, at the end of the day, I think it's a very good 16 person field with some very intriguing first round matchups and some super intriguing matchups. If certain things play out certain ways. So um, as far as the first round goes on the 20th, which is on new Japan world, and the entire show is the – it's just the eight first-round matches for this. You're, you were going to get <coughs> some big-time matchups where some favorites got eliminated early because they had to sell tickets to the show. So well, I saw some people saying, oh, Kushida, Taiji Ishimori are knocking Taiji Ishimori out on the first night. But here's the thing. Someone had to be sacrificed in some of these matches because you, you, what you couldn't do was take the eight favorites and put them up against – the eight guys, you know, who had no chance to win because you had to have matches that were going to draw fans. Okay, this was sort of like the Kushida Ishimori match is very similar to the Gargano Tommaso Ciampa match <laughs> in the Cruiserweight Classic, right? I mean, yeah, you have right. to have a match that people want to pay to see. Uh, it's coming to the building, especially in the case of Super Jacob, where you have to fill. I think it's in, is it in Corken Hall? I think so. Let me uh, let me find out for sure. But uh, yeah, I believe it is. But. I'll confirm that before. Okay, so that. your four top matches while you're looking that up. The main event's Kushida versus Ishimori. You've got Teton versus Osprey, which is going to be off the fucking charts. And I believe it's a match that's never happened before. You've got uh, Jushin Liger versus Aita, which is a very interesting match from a perspective of, you know, who the hell is going to win that match. And then you've got um, – you've actually got five matches between – you know, because then you've got Bushi versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And you've got Taguchi versus Harada. You've got five first-round matches with guys that arguably could have been advanced if they were facing different. It is Cork and Hall, not to interrupt. But so there you go. Cork you got to sell eighteen hundred tickets. You can't, you know, you can't put Kushida against Kaiji Tomato, and and just you can't pair all these guys off with the guys who were obviously going to lose. You you have to have drawing matches, and they've got five pretty strong matches, and then they've got three other matches where I think the winners are fairly obvious. Then again. I don't, you know, it wouldn't, you know, Taichi's probably going to beat uh, Aoyagi from All Japan. Um, Matt Seidel's definitely going to beat Kaiji Tomato. And uh, Kano is going to beat Garuk and Mask. Other than those three matches, the other five matches are up in the air to some extent. Look, Osprey's not losing the Teton. I'll throw that one in there too. So you've got. <laughs> I think that's safe to say, you've yeah. Got, but at least that's two guys with some name value against each other. Sure. Um, the other four matches, though, you can make arguments either way. I think the most intriguing one is Liger versus Aita. What do you see happening there? That's an interesting one, yeah, because Liger's, you know, that's that's a guy. But uh, Aita is a guy that I, I you know, it, 
the, the Jacob has always been about, and, and I mentioned a few of those other guys and in, in, in throughout history, there's always like that one miracle run. Like they're not going to win it, but they're going to get to the semifinals and you're not going to believe that they're going to get through this, you know, and Aita might be that guy. He's the young, he's probably the one with, I would say, I, I think it's safe to say he's, you know, outside of the, the, Ospreys and, and Kushida, the guys that you know New Japan have under control, that Aces probably has the most potential of anybody in this entire field. Would you agree? As far as uh, just like raw ability and like like he's still super young, but like in terms of just potential to be something in the next few years, as compared to other Dragon Gate guys or guys in this tournament, just the guys uh, guys in this tournament. Like if you're looking for your like young out of nowhere guy, uh, yeah, I mean if, it's if, him, right? Yeah, if you if. If you agree that Osprey has already arrived, then yes, right, yeah, L- letting Osprey out of it because like he's, I think he's he has kind of arrived. a special attraction now. Yeah, he's he's beyond that point now. Like he's not surprising anybody. Here, Aita is that guy that can kind of surprise people. Oh my god, he, you know, I see him beating Liger pretty easily as well. I, I think that's something that Liger would do. But it's always weird with Liger, especially with this Jacob, because you never know if they're gonna how many more of these are gonna have. It took him seven years for this one to come back. And Liger's kind of embedded in that, so that might be a thing where you know he might want a little bit of a run, but he's not that kind of guy. So I think Aita wins this one. I think he gives him the rub, and then it gets kind of interesting then uh, how far he goes after that. I think if if Aita wins, he makes a run because mm-hmm. I, I think there, you know he could beat Taichi easily. That's not a that's not anything politically that they're going to be afraid to pull the trigger on. And then from there, off you go. You win two matches, that means you made a run because at that point you're in the semifinals, and then he's going to run into Kushida. Um, you know, but you know, what about the theory? I see this theory going around, and I've contributed to it. To be honest, I think Kushida is going to beat Taiji Ishimori. I really do, for obvious reasons. But at the same time, it would not completely shock me if Taiji Ishimori won, won the match. Um, only from the perspective of, um, you know, he he's a guy who can then make a run. Um, and and Gito, and like uh, Pole made this point on our board. Gato likes to knock out favorites early in tournaments. You notice that? Like with the mm-hmm. Japan Cup and things of that nature. And wouldn't it be such a Gato thing to do to just knock out Kushida right off the bat and then everyone opens their eyes and goes, whoa, anyone can win this now. Yeah. And you got a built in, and the cool thing always is you got that built in, um, you know, defender then. And then it's okay, then he can have a match against Ishimori Bingo. Uh, at some random show, and that's good. You, Gato loves doing that. We know that G1 is filled with that, of, of the champion will lose to a few guys. You go, oh my God, I didn't think he was going to lose to, you know, a Goto or whatever. And then Goto gets a title shot, and you, it all makes sense <laughs> a little bit. So, yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, because then what you have is it sets up not one, but two title shots because it sets up Ishimori because he beat him, and then whoever wins the tournament. Is also set up. So you're setting up two title shots uh, by beating him in the first round. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think Kushida wins the match. In fact, I think Kushida wins the whole tournament because what I said before, um, uh, best of super juniors, I really felt Kushida was going to win one of these two. I didn't know which one, but he was going to win one of these tournaments. I don't think you could have Kushida lose both of these tournaments, right? No, I, I, I don't. I mean, we, we talked about this, I think, when we were previewing the Best of the Super Juniors or before Best of the Super Juniors even happened and saying that we didn't think he was going to win the Super Juniors but that we thought he would win the Cup, that he had it has to be one or the other. And I, I still agree with that. And that's it, it seems kind of boring, but I don't know. Like I still think he's going to win this thing. Like it's, just, it's hard to have him be there and not win at least – I mean, you have two junior tournaments. And we told people, hey, don't worry. He might not win you know, because I, I, yeah, I don't know. Here's the problem with Ishimori beating Kushida in the first round. They're not going to give you Ishimori – Kano is beating Garukin Mask. It's a, it's a lock. <laughs> They're not giving you Ishimori Kano 
in the second round on 821 because that's a Noah versus Noah match. There's no hook there. So I, I, I really think that's... Yeah, if people wanted to watch Noah versus Noah, they would uh, very easily buy a purchase the ticket. We've seen Ishimori to, uh, versus... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And here's the other thing, too. If Ishimori beats Kushida, I think Liger's beat Naita. Because, again, you have to think about selling tickets. At that point, I think yeah. Liger would have to advance. Um, and Because you, you can't... I, I, you know, I think it'd be very tough to, on 821 to expect people to buy tickets when Liger's out, Kushida's out. You know what I mean? You're going to need some of these guys to move on. Just from the perspective of filling the seats. So I think Kushida will beat Ishimori. And I'll tell you, Kushida versus Kano is one hell of a match and an exciting match for 821. That is something that I will be looking forward to for sure. Um, so on the other side of this thing, we got Taguchi versus Harada and then Bushi versus Kanemuru. Now, if I had it my way, Daisuke Harada and Bushi would win those two matches. I could very easily see Taguchi and Kanemura winning those matches, though, which would not make <laughs> me happy at all. That's not a match I want to see at all. <laughs> Any of, and Taguchi's been fine this year. I liked it, but man. That, that. I don't even want Taguchi. I'll be honest with you, and we, I, I actually we skipped this. I don't even want Taguchi in the tournament. And I concede that he's been good this year. And I have no problem with Taguchi. I don't want him in this. I would have. He's a boring. He's boring being in this tournament. Uh, there's no. There's nothing. Well, who cares? Who would want to see him? I don't him want in to any... watch him in this. And I want him out right. as quickly. There's as no possible. intriguing matchup that Taguchi can be in. Even if he's been good this year, it's like okay, him against Serrano, cool. Yeah, you know, like well, what is it? Like I, not excited at all. Why would you be excited about no, that? I, I think his name drags down any of these matchups. I'd, I'd rather see. Uh, whether it's Kyle O'Reilly, anybody else from New Japan. Now, I'm going to follow my own rules, Rich. you got to replace him with somebody, right? I'd much rather see uh, you know, Kyle O'Reilly or, 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 or Ricochet or a million other New Japan. you got a million – Rocky Romero, okay? Any of those guys, I'd rather see than Taguchi in this tournament. Um, give me a young lion. I'd rather see a young lion in that spot than Taguchi. I really would. So I'm not happy about that. But that's a little portion of the bracket with those four guys where any of the four can go through to the semifinals. I mean, right. do you have a strong feel for any of those four as a semifinals? Not really. Um, maybe Bushi, but Bushi's always weird. You know, <laughs> the best of the super juniors, everybody thought like that was a guy that was going to dominate and he was just kind of a guy there. So he like, you know, off the top of my head, I would say he's one that could maybe make that run, but they're still kind of weird about him. I think uh, Bushi's losing in the first round. I, I can't see them beating the Noah junior champion with Bushi. That's true, and and that's a big caveat too, especially you know given the relationship with Noah. That's uh, not something maybe you want to do because it would look uh, pretty bad to a lot of the fans if your guy just went and destroyed uh, the Noah one. Yeah, so that that's there. Bushi's a weird one because I always feel like they should push him harder than they do, but they don't, which is it, it's fine. Like it's it's okay, uh, and he's always able to kind of recover and be okay with it. But yeah, he's always one that I feel like could go longer. Uh, then he can't. So because he's a weird one that yeah, I I could see him losing the first round just as easily as I could see him making the semifinals as well. But I don't know if you see where I'm going with that. So if Kanemaru beats Bushi, the same thing we talked about with Ishimori versus Kano, and you think they'd want to stay away from that, do they really want to give you Daisuke Harada versus Kanemaru in a, a Noah versus Noah match? Yeah, you really don't want that uh, <laughs> the quarterfinals to just be a pressing Noah show. I think there's a legitimate... That's not going to draw well. <laughs> I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably not going to draw very yeah, well. Yeah, they just drew 800 fans of Corkin, okay? With, with, with junior matches heavily emphasized, by the way. So there you go. So that that's why I say I think you can get Taguchi versus Kanemaru, which nobody wants in that next round. With that said, you can do Harada Kanemaru if Harada wins and goes on to the semifinals. 
there's no shame in having Harada in the semifinals of this tournament because he's an excellent wrestler and would be a great semifinalist. What that also does is set up a Noah Jr. title match at some point if Harada does in fact beat Kanemaru. But you're not getting Harada Kanemaru and Ishimori versus Kano. Not a chance. They're not giving you two Noah quarterfinal matches. So you could throw that right out the window. So um, I've, I think I've completely talked myself out of Ishimori beating Kushida. Okay. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, all right, so let's get to this last quadrant. I think everyone on the planet thinks that Willow Spray is going to the semifinals. But I think what you, where you're going to have predictable outcomes in this quadrant, you're also going to have awesome matches because you're going to have Osprey versus Teton, and then you're going to have Osprey side L in the next round. Yeah, that's, yeah that, I, I mean, uh, that'll be nice. Yeah, I can, uh, I can get down with that. But they've had great matches before. And, and that's the other thing, too. So they're going to have another great match here because, I, you know, Kaiji Tomato, again, 0% chance of beating Matt Seidel. No, yeah, yeah. There's three guys that have 0% chance. Kaiji Tomato, Teton, and Garukin Mask, they have 0% chance of winning their matches. None. Zero. Less than zero. They just can't win. It won't happen. It's impossible. Their opponents would have to die in the ring. That's the only way. They, they can't win. So you're going to get Seidel and Osprey, and then you're going to get uh, Osprey moving on to the semis. Osprey, Daisuke Harada. Be a hell of a match in the semifinals. <laughs> I mean, I I am frothing at the mouth for all three of those Will Ospreay matches. I think those can be great matches. Okay, so, yeah, they definitely set him up to have like show stealing matches for sure throughout the entire tournament. Yeah, I mean, and and you're just hoping that Taguchi or Kanemaru don't make runs. I don't want to see Taguchi Ospreay again. We just saw it, and, <laughs> and I don't want to see 2016 Kanemaru against Will Ospreay. Let me tell you something, uh. Rich. I would love to see 2005 Kanemaru against Osprey. I think that'd be awesome. You know, maybe Kanemaru, maybe he'll wake up for that. You think? I don't know, man. He just, he does. Unfortunately, he's got to wrestle like four times that night or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, like whatever, I think two or three times that night. So maybe uh, I don't. Yeah, probably not. He's getting older. I don't feel like he cares. And I, I you know, I would. Oh, he doesn't care. It's not like you don't feel. No, he does not care. You can see it in his eyes. He doesn't care. But you go back and watch this guy's stuff from his original Noah run. And I mean, this was one of my favorite juniors that they had, if not my favorite junior period that was in a company. You know, if you're throwing, you know, your Marafujis and your Kentas out, because realistically they were moved up to heavyweight later on. But of the, those other guys, I mean, Kanemura was the guy, you know, he's he, always doing great stuff. I don't want to see him now. I don't want to see them waste an Osprey match on him. So I'm hoping it's Harada that comes out of that. So I think, I think it'll be Harada and Osprey. Um, and on the other side, I've talked myself back into Kushida. I think Kushida okay. will win the whole tournament. And then it really comes down to whether you think he's facing Aita or Liger. And I think we just saw the Liger match. So I think it'll be Aita. So I'm going with Aita, Kushida, Harada, and Osprey. Talk about okay. going chalk, Rich. I mean, you want to... Uh, yeah, jeez, you went through all this and it's like, ah, you're the favorites here. So you, you disagree <laughs> with any of that? Uh, not really. I mean, the way... I don't think they would – because, again, like you said, the, the big one I look at is, okay, with Liger and Ato, what would that happen? But it it seems just so unrealistic that they would do that Liger Kushida again. We've seen it. It's not that – like, it was fun. It was interesting for what it was, but I don't think they want to see it again. I don't think anybody really wants to see it again. So it just makes all the sense of the world that Ato wins that match and moves on, and then that's who he fa- – but, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to see, especially with that side of the bracket. I mean, there's just not many – guys that you could see them really doing I, I i don't know yeah i would say you're probably right i mean kind of looking at this list now i mean other than maybe bushi making like a dream run or something like that but he's pretty easy to have him knock out right away as well so um 
Yeah, I'm just trying to look. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty, that's safe. I think I, I, I could be okay with that because I, I do like the idea of Ata making a dream run. And I think he is that guy that makes that sort of out of nowhere run um, in this tournament. Should they book it like they did the and, and I'm sort of under the assumption that they're booking the J-Cup like they booked J-Cups prior, which is probably a silly assumption because why would, you know, to hold it it's seven years ago. Yeah. Like, it's like a different universe. You know, what they did in 1995 does not matter at all. Well, they're doing, so maybe it is going to be a little different, but I feel like there'll be a little nods to old tournaments and they'll have that guy make that dream run. And eight, it seems like the perfect one to do it. So, uh, yeah, I'm all right with that. And unfortunately, I probably would go with Kushida winning the whole thing as well, just because it seems like a good platform to have him take that other, uh, you know, another leap again as that ace of the junior division. It just makes all the sense in the world to do that. Well, that would mean, Rich, that you're getting that. What if it's a Kushida Osprey final, which is a definite possibility, unless you think Harada could knock off Osprey, which isn't impossible. Um, that would mean three Kushida Osprey matches. Are you willing to beat Osprey three times? No. Wouldn't that be the spot, the perfect spot, for Will Osprey to finally knock off Kushida? Belt's not on the line, so you don't have to. Right, end. and then you get that. Mm-hmm. And then you right, but then it's also setting up a fourth match. At that point, are you getting the overkill? So there's a lot to consider here. There's a lot of moving parts. That's why I think this tournament is super interesting. I also don't like the idea of Osprey winning both of those tournaments in the same year. But it's cool though. I mean, if you're really into that guy being the, you know, that's cool. that, that's you know what of, they call that, Rich? They call that's they a push. Call that a push. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and I think sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, it's like you know, that's push. That's what pushes are. Pushes are people win matches. You know, so and but you, and you would have that story where, you know, he finally overcomes Kushida too. I look, I don't know. I think that that's a story. I think Kushida winning it and just sort of you know not using it to create a challenger is also a story because you know Kushida, New Japan telling the world this is the you know this is the junior ace. That's a good story too. Um, I think that Kushida having someone make a miracle run to the final like a Harada upsetting an Osprey so you could avoid the third Kushida Osprey match and then you could have Kushida. And you get a little bit of plug to Noah as well saying hey by sure. the way this guy's in Noah so if you want to buy a ticket or two that'd be nice. So. And and who doesn't want to see a Harada Kushida match? You know? Right. Okay. And, re- right. and remember right. the final isn't selling tickets because the final won't be determined until you're there already because it, the quarters the semis and the finals are on the same show. So right. it's the quarterfinal matches that you're selling your tickets on. So you don't really you, – you can do all kinds of wacky – I think you can do the wacky upsets in the quarterfinals if you want to do them, more so than any other round because you need those matches on paper to draw. But after that, it's, all bets are off. You can do whatever you want. So that's something to consider too. Only the first round is on that first night. Everything else is on the second night. <clears throat> I don't know. There's a lot of interesting booking possibilities here. And, and look, you know that there's going to be surprises. There's things that we're completely writing off that we're going to see uh, play out. I don't think any of those three guys winning that I – none of those. I, but, but in terms of anything else, I, nothing else is completely off the table in my opinion. Um, I think the All-Japan kid could knock off Taichi. Would that shock you at all? Oh, God, no, no. You know, can't you see Taichi being cocky in Taichi's, that match? No, yeah, you, do whatever the hell you want with Taichi. Yeah, that, no, not a problem at all. I would definitely do I that. could see Aita making a deep run. I can definitely see Harada making a deep run. I could see, uh, I've talked myself out of it, but, you know, you know, Ishimori beating Kushida wouldn't blow my mind. Um, I was 70-30 on Kushida before, and I'm 90-10 on Kushida now, but <laughs> that 10% still exists. I mean, it wouldn't completely blow me away. There's a lot of different things they can do. Um, the only things that would completely blow me away are Garuk and Mask, Teton, 
or tomato. I don't see any benefit in tomato beating Seidel. Um, you want to move Osprey on to that next show. And Teton, I mean, you know, and then he could just go back to Mexico or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm sure they want him back. But then again, who knows with CMLL? <laughs> yeah, they might not want him back. Um, CMLL has a very odd way of uh, uh, dealing with talented uh, wrestlers. So. But, you know, that's the other thing to talk about, too. A lot of cases with the outsiders that are booked for these things, their promotions might want them back in August 21st. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's, that's what I mentioned, whereas we have this idea, this grand idea of, oh, this guy and that guy and that guy. And it's like, well, you know, we need them in our promotion, too. Like, we can't just, you know, send them away for this or whatever. I mean, the only time, like, again, going back to that 94, that was a good time, whereas Mitch Noka Pro had this opportunity to say, hey, look at all these guys that we have. And it, it helped their business tremendously. I mean, it helped Michinoku Pro get on the map of like, look at these guys that are like, that's, you know, a benefit to these companies. But it's also in the same sense of, well, we can we really just like, you know, we got to run shows too. And we got to sell tickets to our shows while they're going on. Like, I don't, we don't know, you know, we might need those guys. Like, we don't want them going here. And we don't maybe want them losing right away too. So I, I get why they maybe had to do chalk with some of these guys and go with just generic New Japan guys. I mean, they're hosting the event anyway. And sometimes your booking is done for you for those reasons. Because they tell you, look, all right, we, we can clear. You could have them for the 20th. But eh, August 21st, we need this guy for whatever. Yeah, so then you got to beat them. Um, right. So there's all those things, too, that, that come into me. Look, I'm excited for this. I think this is going to be fun. Um, what bothers me is the two shows are more than a month apart. You know, that definitely kills the momentum. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's really weird. I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know why they did that. I mean, either do it all in one or do it like, you know, back to back or, or, or at least, you know, give it a few days off. But yeah, a month apart just seems. It's in the middle of the G1, hard. too. The, the first round is like after day three of the G1. Could you bury it any worse? You know what I mean? It's like everyone's going to be focused on G1. It's actually hard to find even on their website, too. I was looking at it, and I'm looking – because I'm, I'm looking at the date because it's, it's in chronological. You know, you got um, – the G1 starts the 18th, and I'm looking. I got 18, 22, 23, 24, and I'm going, where the hell is the G-? It's all the way at the bottom. It's like, oh, yeah, Super Jacob. Yeah, 20th. Yeah. <laughs> What's the last day of the G1? What's the uh, – uh, The last day, I believe, is the 12th. Does oh, that sound okay. right? It does sound right. So – at least the J Cup final is standalone. That no, I'm sorry. The 14th, 14th is the uh, the final. Yeah. I knew it was that neighborhood though. So at least that's a week later. It's the 21st. That's a standalone show. <coughs> so that's good. But the first round is totally buried during G1, which which I mean, it just buries it. They could you know they couldn't get a Corican date before the G1 started. I mean, that's a bad job, right? I, that's a bad job. You know, so you know that from that perspective, it'll just get lost. It'll just get lost in everyone's mind. Like even in Japan, even in, in for us especially, it will because we're you know of course we're in G one mode at that point. But even in Japan too, how could you possibly get excited? You know about this other tournament going on when the G one's going on? And, and like, then it's a month apart the two shows. It's like all the momentum dies. Okay, so you watch this show and you're all pumped up. Okay, so we've got our eight first round winners and you're you've got these great second round matchups that you're all hyped for. And then you got to wait fucking thirty one days for them. That kind of it's kind of a buzzkill. It's kind of same deal like with the Cruiserweight Classic where it's like all this time, you know, it's like I I don't know. I'd rather have these things done in two days. I, that's just my preference. You know, I'd rather be all jacked up for it and let's get it all over with. Let's do these days. When it's a single elimination deal like this, I'd rather have it done in two or two or just do it back to back days or three days in a row or whatever the case may be. All this time in between sort of sucks some of the juice out for me. But, yeah. uh, you know. 
Let's uh, let's stick with uh, cruiserweight tournaments going on in the summer. I want to talk real briefly. I know you on Twitter were mentioning it, uh, I think, yesterday or, or earlier today, rather, as we're recording this. And I actually watched it uh, right before we record this podcast. And that was the uh, the Cruiserweight Classic uh, Bracketology show that they had on WWE Network. How fucking awesome was that? This was the... That's the network. There you go. That is the network. This... Like, yeah, that is you it. Had, That's you, had, you had the same thoughts as me because you tweeted about an hour after I did. You watched it a little later. This is exactly what I want the network to be. The network can serve all masters. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to just be for your quote-unquote universe fans or your heart. You can, you can serve that hardcore fan master, and that's exactly what this tournament is doing. And that special was one of the best things this company has produced in years. I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved everything about it. Um, the real sport aspect of it and – uh, you know the backstories, uh, which I, I'll let you talk about that because I know you're excited about that. How they how they gave all these guys or some of the guys anyway. They didn't have time to do all 32, but um, you know just the human interest stuff and giving these guys you know backstories and it doesn't have to be these convoluted, wacky Vince McMahon style stories that you're telling with these guys. They just made them real people. They made them real people with real stories of success, real stories of failure, some guys that are rising, some guys that are that are on the way down. Uh, you got the one guy who they gave the uh, weight cutting story to, which I think is a nice little twist, <laughs> you know, and it's it's everybody came off great. I thought Maro, uh, Moro Ronaldo and, and Daniel Bryan are the perfect people to do this with. You know, I had questions about Daniel Bryan mm. at first. I'm much more confident in his ability to call these matches now than I was when they announced him. Moro's the perfect guy because he's the real sports guy that they have. Uh, it just would not be the same with Michael Cole or Byron Saxton or any of these other goofballs who are not good and who do not do the job in the way that we want them to do them and in the way that we want it presented for a tournament like this. So the announcers are perfect. I can't say enough good things. That bracketology yeah. special, you wouldn't have changed a thing. I thought it was perfect. I thought TJ Perkins, everyone who came to the desk, TJ Perkins couldn't have come off any better. Brian Kendrick could not have come off any better. Uh, you know, I you, you, you have Canyon Seaman, a guy that's just like the soulless like businessman or whatever, was actually kind of cool in this. It was like, and that's the thing that I loved about this special, and and I guess. Um, the part that I really loved about Daniel Bryan as well a bit of it is that I was kind of worried that Daniel Bryan would be so forced or so nervous and kind of doing WWE Universe speak and doing like, oh, I better, you know, say what announcer is supposed to say. And it was just Daniel Bryan being, you know, Brian Danielson. You know what I mean? Like he was like geeking out about the guy from Chile. Like he couldn't like he couldn't get over that. He's like, there's a guy from Chile. Like, how cool is that? Like, I don't know what that guy looks like. What is it? And it was cool. And, and that's like you had Cannon Seaman who came on there and he's, you know he said sports entertainer instead of wrestler or whatever, you know, that's he, that he's trained to do that. But otherwise you could tell the general genuine excitement in his voice when they were saying, Hey, you went all over the world to find these guys. And he goes, yeah, you know, we've been doing, you know, these tryouts all over the world and they show, you know, him going to India and him going to China and him going, and you could tell that this guy was excited. Hey, here's what we came up with. Here's there's a bunch of guys we got. This is really cool. This is an awesome field of uh, universal. And these guys, everybody that came to the desk, everything about that entire special was very much like, Hey guys, here's a little bit of bullet points. Talk about the Cruiserweight Classic. Okay, go. It never at any point felt like a WWE production, you know, where it was like Morrow had his little talking points that he had to do, and they had to talk about the underdog story of Daniel Bryan real quickly. But they were almost, when they did those, it was almost tongue in cheek too. Like, all right, underdog story, yeah, whatever. Okay, now let's talk to CJ Perkins about going to the New Japan Dojo when he was, you know, 17 or whatever. That's awesome. That's cool. Like, and they didn't, none of these guys had stories that weren't just what their story was. Like, when they interviewed the Bollywood boys, it's like, hey, you know, 
there's really no good Indian representatives in wrestling and we want to be that. And we've been fans our entire lives. Here's a picture of us in DX shirts like when we're 10 or whatever. That's awesome. There you go. Nothing you had to construct there. You basically had to say, hey, guys, you have a minute. Talk about your lives. Done. Rich Swan. that was an incredible one because – and I know that story before, but there are going to be a lot of people that watch that that don't know the story about his parents both dying in, in, you know, in, in subsequent years or at a year or two apart. And then him you know, basically saying, oh, well, screw this. I, I don't want to live. Like, you know, I'm done. And then wrestling, saving him. Like, there you go. Boom. In a minute, you already are – how do you not root for Rich Swan in that minute? In one minute, they told the story of Rich Swan, why he's motivated to wrestle, and why he wants to win this thing. In one minute, maybe two. I don't know if it, maybe it was two minutes. Whatever. That's all it took. Boom. That. It, you intersplice <laughs> match clips with his interview where he says his actual story. My dad got murdered. My mom died. I was down in the dumps. Wrestling saved me. Now I want to win because wrestling is all that. You know, wrestling is that big of a part of my life. Boom. Done. Yeah. I That's listen. It. Brian Kendrick, you know, like Brian Kendrick I, being I, candid about his problems. Yes, that was incredible. Yeah, I was I because and, and anybody who listens to the show, we buried buried him Kendrick. six feet under, and now <laughs> and now I'm happy he's in it. And oh, now I'm rooting I'm for happy him. I want him for the whole fucking thing. If he doesn't, you, he's gonna he's gonna cry if he doesn't win the whole thing. That's and that's, that dead. shows you the power of the special, right? Right there in front of your eyes. We complained that this guy was in it and buried him six feet under, and now I'm happy that the guy's in it, and and because he's got a little bit of a back story you know what they did rich this is very simple and this is what we've been screaming about for years they just presented them as people yeah and this is in this era people are screaming for just real stories about real people that's why kevin owens connects they don't have to be these over-the-top superstars that was great for the 80s where they weren't real people you know, you, no one thought King Kong Bundy was a real person, okay? Going home to his wife and kids and, and you know, putting coffee on it at 8 a.m. No, he was King Kong Bundy, this larger-than-life fucking thing. I don't even know what to call him. This era, we just want real stories and real people. And that's what they gave us. And that's why this was so much more compelling than anything you're going to see on Raw or SmackDown. Because on Raw and SmackDown, you're getting caricatures, you're getting the one vision that Vince McMahon knows. He knows nothing else. And what this special showed you and what this Cruiserweight Classic is showing you, it's what Larry always says, Rich. The further Vince McMahon is removed from something, the better it is. You know what I mean? You know he doesn't have any fingerprints on this and no say. And he's not producing it in any, any manner whatsoever. It's a Triple H deal. This is an NXT offshoot. Triple H's vanity promotion now has offshoots. This is the vanity promotion of a vanity promotion, this Cruiserweight Classic. If you notice, there's no NXT branding on it or anything like that, even though it's done at full sale. These guys are at the Performance Center. But this is not, you know, this. It's the, uh, the Cruiserweight Classic Combine is actually uh, where, where it's taking place from. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> they hang purple banners. Which actually exemplifies day, so. my point, though. They, yeah, exactly. No, they changed perfect. the color scheme. It's, it's not being tied to NXT at all. It's now an offshoot of, of, of NXT. And the further Vince is removed from something, the, the, more, the better it is. And in this era, this is, I believe, is what people want. All I could sit there watching this was, and thinking to myself was, fuck, man. If they did a three-hour Raw like this, their ratings problem would be solved. People would buy into these people. You know, present Roman Reigns like this. Tell me something about him. 
You know, present everyone on the roster like this. Give- yeah, it's weird that out that literally every member of the roster would bet if, if if you and you don't even have to do it on the same night. If you want to just record all these guys for two minutes, tell me your story. There we go. We'll intersplice it with clips or whatever. And you showed six of them every single raw or whatever. Every literally every single member of the roster would benefit. There's not one person that would be worse off because you gave them two minutes to tell their story. Yeah, look at this. And, and look at- and, and somebody on Twitter mentioned it. I thought it was a great example. The Usos. What the fuck do the Usos do? Why do I care about the Usos? Yeah. In in what world? In what universe would I care about the Usos? What do they do? What do they? They're they're guys that are Samoan that wrestle, right? Is that's what we know about the Roman Usos. Reigns cousins? That's it. And they wouldn't even tell us that at first. Like it took them, <laughs> right. it took them like, years yeah. to, to to give us that. No, I listen. I, look, th- this this is the this is what modern wrestling should be. It really is. And look, I'm not saying that the that you know what they did in the 80s was absolutely correct for that era. That we people wanted Superman back then. We've talked about this. People relate to real people right now. This is you know 30 years later, and I thought this was just. Um, I, this was, I was watching this in awe. This was great. This was this was for us, Rich, and it's for the people who are listening to this. That's the kind of fan this is for, and I, and I don't think there's any reason why that can't be. You can't give that to your broader audience and have them buy into it too. Yeah, and that, that's what that was my bigger point that I was going to bring up is that I don't think like people could say, oh, it's oh, that's just good for hardcores or whatever. Like I think you could show that to anybody, and they would say, oh, Zack Saber's pretty cool. Like oh, he you know, and, and I I could turn it off and say, okay, let's let's review what is Zack Saber, what does he want to do or whatever. You would probably anybody I could you know I'd show it to the nurse and she'd probably go, oh, he's a guy from England that thinks he's a great technical wrestler and wants to win. You know, okay, what does Jack Gallagher want? Okay, well he's kind of this like skinny weird dude from England and and he thinks his style of wrestling is the best and that's why he's going to show off and Rich. Like, I, I don't think this is like, yes, it is for us. And we say, oh, it's for the hardcore fan and they're appealing to us. This is just basic fucking storytelling. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing intricate about just breaking down the walls and having these real people tell their real stories and have you buy into their real stories and buy into the character. You buy into that character now because, you know, they're human. They're not this. There's not a wall between you and that guy. Now, I root for Brian Kendrick now because he he goes on there and literally says, if I don't, you know, if I come up short, well, that's the story of my life. I come up short. How do you not go, oh, my God, I hope this guy wins? He's holding back tears, talking about how he ruined his entire life, how he screwed up, how he fucked up. He had everything, and I ruined it, and what did I do? And now, you know, hey, if I don't win this, where do I go now? You know, this is it for me. This is the, the, my chance at redemption. Like, there you go. It, it's the simplest story you could tell. It's, I'll give you another perfect one, okay? They got Jack Gallagher over more in 60 seconds and they've gotten Apollo Crews over in months yep. in months they've Apollo Crews on primetime television for months and haven't gotten and, and Gallagher got over more in 60 seconds than Crews did mm. me, right now Crews is smiling guy guy that smiles <laughs> like, we me and you completely blew off Gallagher when we previewed this tournament remember we, oh, yeah. we blew him off we picked who we thought would win first round matches okay and I think we got like 14 or 15 of them right. But Gallagher was a guy we didn't even consider. We completely blew him off. Now he's over with me. I didn't know much about him. I saw him wrestle once or twice. But th- this 60-second this preview they did for it, this 60-second this deal they did with him, totally got him over with me. And, and I'm sure with the audience. I thought it was great. You know, he's like, look, I'm the smallest guy here. I weigh 140, uh, you know, 150 pounds, 140 pounds or whatever it is. He's like, I respect Lucha. 
I respect the Japanese style, but my style is the best. And I'm going to show you why my style is the best. Rich, I'm all fired up now. I want to see this guy show me his style. I'm in a Gallagher. Yeah, I was in a Gallagher too. Yeah, I was like – and that's the guy when I saw they were doing a – because they did you know Sabre first. I went, okay, that makes sense. And they're like, Jack Gallagher. And I was like, what the hell are you featuring Jack Gallagher for? And then in two minutes later, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm in a Jack Gallagher now. Even the Bollywood geeks got over with me. You know, it's like they got everybody over. You know, it's amazing. And look, it's not – this isn't fucking sending rockets to the moon. It's not that hard. All these guys did was tell you who they were. That's all they did. I thought what an interesting thing about this, too, is that they didn't set up, like, that guy's evil. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's dastardly. Like, you know, you have, like, 